What's happening, weirdos? This is Father Greg Boyle, who was one of my favorite chats, conversations, time spent togethers that I've ever had on this podcast. He is absolutely incredible. He is the founder of Homeboy Industries, which is uh, now my current obsession. Uh, I read uh, Tattoos on the Heart. I listened to him on other podcasts. I listened to his talks on YouTube. And now here we are having this conversation. I'm so excited to share with you. I would be remiss, remiss, if I didn't say right here up top, please donate. If we all donated to Homeboy Industries, that would be a huge wave of donations. I'm going to do a benefit for them. I'm going to donate to them as well, do recurring donations to them. I'm such a believer. You're going to hear all about it in this episode. But if you would like to, if your heart is moved, go to homeboyindustries.org org and set up uh, even a small recurring or one-time donation uh, just for the pleasure of it. It, it, it. You'll feel good knowing that you're supporting something so, so beautiful and truly, truly one of a kind and wonderful. Um, here are some less beautiful <laughs> plugs like my stand-up show. Although one of these Largos we're going to do for uh, Homeboy Industries. I'm just trying to coordinate it with Father Greg. But the next one is September 8th. If you'd like to see me do stand-up and you're in the Los Angeles area, go to Largo-LA.com. We are stacking those shows. Andrew Santino did the last one. Uh, River Butcher, Dimitri Martin. Um, I'm forgetting a lot of people, but we always have incredible, incredible people. Schumer, uh, Schumer stopped by. Uh, Mulaney has done it. Nick Kroll. It's just always, always, always a highlight of my month. So even if you're not seeing this in uh, around September 8th, 2022, we do it every month. We're there every single month, so just go to Largo-LA.com and look for Pete Holmes living at Largo. We're also brought to you by some Pete's Picks. I'm wearing one now. Can you get this? (laughs) Can you see that? Okay. These are perfect jeans. I didn't put these on because we were recording the intro, Katie and I. I, I. I put these on because I put these on every morning. Perfect jeans are my favorite pants. They're the most perfectly named pants because the perfect jean is the perfect jean. I hate hard pants, but I don't like pants that look like they're soft, if that makes sense. I want soft pants that look like they're jeans that pretty much are jeans. They just have 2% spandex and 2.5% rayon for extra comfort and movement that frankly, uh, it says it right here. I'm going to say it. Your man parts required. (laughs) It's in the copy. I couldn't pull it off wearing like a yoga pant or like a linen pant. That's just not me. I'm not Sting. I'm not Phil Collins. But I wear jeans every single day. And to have uh, some mobility, basically these are comfortable enough to sleep in. I have slept in them. They are the best pants that I've ever owned, not just because they're stretchy and comfortable, but because they're durable. You know, this area always tears. I'm pointing, for the audio people, I'm pointing to the crotch area. Always tears on my jeans because I overwear them, not with the perfect jean. They're so well constructed, maximum durability, constructed utilizing the highest quality materials and sewing techniques. I haven't had to replace a single pair. So I have them in blue, dark blue, I have them in gray, I have them in black. They look fantastic, Val loves them. They last, they stretch, and they're comfy. 
what else what else do you need to know oh how about this the perfect gene for the imperfectly perfect men are just 60 bucks when you use code weirdo at checkout so liberate your lower limbs with the one and only perfect gene whether you are working with lemons or lentils a three-leaf clover or a big old honk and eggplant the perfect gene has you covered take a peek at www.theperfectgene.nyc that's the perfect J E A N dot N Y C. No, not genetics. Genes. <laughs> and use code Weirdo for 25% off at checkout. And of course, show your support of the show. Second and lastly, this is the last ad, then we'll get to Father G. This is my Apollo Neuro. It's a wearable piece of technology that helps my body manage stress. This is the Pete's pick that I've turned more people onto in real life. I'm shooting a TV show this week. Two, three, maybe even four cast members from the show are have already used this promo code to buy an Apollo Neuro because I'm just constantly talking about what a difference it's made in my life. It uses almost sub-perceptual vibrations that help you relax, sleep, focus, and be more productive. It's like a wearable hug for the nervous system using touch therapy to help you feel safe and in control. It's worn on the wrist or the ankle. Apollo Neuro de- delivers gentle, soothing vibrations that that literally train your nervous system to recover and rebalance after stress. There's energy, uh, energy and wake up, which you could really feel is wonderful before or even during a workout. Social and open is what I have it on right now because we're about to record an episode. It'll be running the entire episode, just telling my nervous system it's okay, keeping me alert, keeping me open. Clear and focused is wonderful if you have ADD symptoms, if you need to dial in and focus on your work. I use it constantly. Rebuild and recover. I always joke is what I put it on after I speak to my parents. <laughs> Just helps your body kind of come back to itself. It, this is a point in, in, in whenever I'm talking about it, I tell people it's not woo-woo. This isn't a crystal. This isn't like sinking up to the stars or something. It is made by a friend of mine. We became friends after I started using it. He uh, is a board-certified neuroscientist and psychiatrist. They've been studying the impacts of chronic stress in humans for nearly 15 years. The more you use it, the better it works. Uh, It's not a mood ring. Apollo's effects on stress, sleep, cognitive performance, and recovery have been proven in multiple clinical trials and real-world studies, and there are more on the way. I really love it sincerely wear it constantly. I literally charge it when I'm in the shower because that's the only time I'm not wearing it and pretty much not using it. So you can get 10% off and show your support of the show by going to apolloneuro.com slash weird. That's A-P-O-L-L-O-N-E-U-R-O.com slash weird for 10% off and feel better with just something you wear. Val wears hers on her ankle. So if you if you don't want to, I like I'm, a, I'm an Enneagram 4, so I like people being like, what's that? And I'm like, let me tell you. Uh, anyway, enjoy. Father, Greg Boyle, check out Tattoos on the Heart. Check out his other books. And if you, if you don't want to buy something, just go on YouTube and get ready to cry. It's literally become my routine is watching one of his talks in the morning, listening to his book on the way to work, weeping in the car. And then I just remember to be tender and loving all day. It makes a huge, huge difference uh, in helping me remember to be the person I want to be in this world. So I hope you enjoy this chat. I know we did. Get into it. 
Okay, well, we just lost a little bit of a recording, but I can remember what we were saying. One, I'm so thrilled you're here. I could say that faster. Sure. I said it a little bit more sweetly <laughs> before, right? That's okay. But I was saying that it's these episodes that I that I cherish and I get the most excited about. So I just want you to feel welcome. That's really yeah, just no, the point. I do. Thank you. But I want them to know that I made you feel yeah. welcome, to be honest yeah. as well. And I was saying that I was just at the Montreal Comedy Fest and it was so much comedy <laughs> i'm just gonna repeat it there's that simpsons episode where homer goes to hell and they say you like donuts how about all the donuts in the world <laughs> it's funny watching you have to re-listen to me say this <laughs> it's very showbiz you're doing re- very well <laughs> and that's a little bit it was like do you like comedy how about all the comedy in the world yeah. and then i said i think it's a it says something about how my brain works whatever's in front of me becomes my reality and that's, that's good and bad. It can be bad because if all that's in front of me is my ego and my persona and my value is earned by getting laughs, I can get a little depraved. Depraved, not in a bad way. I just yeah. mean like my, my tank gets empty. Yeah. And I would go on walks and listen to Richard Rohr and stuff, but it wasn't enough. I needed like a full day off to just reconnect. So I, I've been really looking forward. Yeah. And I listened to you and I watched you and I felt, uh, like I was coming home, like I was coming back to myself, as opposed to the the Pete that I sell yeah. and that I'll bring to a location for a fee. I started to remember the present moment. I started to remember my identity in God, I guess we could say. Yeah. My center. Not, I'm only as good as my last show. So I'm coming to you in a very... And you just got in. And I just got in. I got in last night yeah. at, at about midnight, and I'm really excited to see you. So this is e- doubly exciting. One, not to put the onus on you, but like I need, just as brothers, a reconnect. Yeah. Just just sitting with you is helping. Um, and I, I also was curious how you do with that. How how do you keep the line open? You know, to your, we could say soul, or or just to your center, or to your you know what it is? Is like I forget I'm beloved when I get lost in the game of like, well, are you on the poster? Did you get the deal? Did you get the standing ovation? Like you start to forget that you yeah. were born accepted. Yeah. And I wonder how do you remember, as you've done such a great job telling other people that they are beloved children, yeah. how do you remember that? Well, you know, you know, in recovery, they, they talk about one one day at a time, but I think that's way too long, you know. <laughs> I, I think it's like a minute. It's like, then you kind of get to every breath because we're, we're, we're addicted to once and for allness, you know. Like, okay, I've vowed to do this or I want to be loving or I've decided to have my practice. But, you know, it's like, you think it's once and for all. Yeah. You know, and it's just... Which never... is very... It's addict thinking, by the way. Yeah. And I'm an addict, and yeah. I tend to be very black and white. Yeah. I'm either in or I'm out. Yeah. But yeah. then if you kind of connect it to every breath, you know, cherish with every breath, and then you... But it's hard to do. That's your practice. Hmm. So it's like you, you meditate in the morning or something, hmm. or you have your space and your time, and you go, well, now I'm good to go. Is that what you do? Well, that's what I do, but you're not good to go, you know, because an hour into your day, you know, you want to throttle somebody. And so that's just kind of, <laughs> but that's why I think it's important. The practice has to be connected to every breath. 
you cherish with every breath is what I kind of cherish with every breath. Yeah. You know, as you're saying it, Katie was struggling to turn that off and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> No, you did great. I know. There's there is no judgment there, but I'm like <clears throat> Again, what's in front of me is what's happening. So Katie's trying to figure that out. And I'm like, and you're telling me this beautiful thing. <laughs> it's okay. It's right. Okay. I know. But I, if there's anything the podcast is about, it's, it's about being honest, being like, yeah, I hear you. And I'm like, it's it's the one button, Mark Power. <laughs> the on-off button. <laughs> it's like how quickly, but even in my language, how quickly we can lose it. When we're talking about a connection to the divine, is there something to owning and accepting and loving our frustration or our anger or everything being welcome, even in ourselves, the forgiveness we have for reality, we extend to ourselves. Yeah. I mean, I think you do that and you, and you kind of, that's the aerial view, but, but you have to kind of bring yourself back to the present moment and how you do that is connect with your own, you know, breath, just, you know, now hear this is kind of a mantra I have. Now hear this. Now hear this. Now hear this. Kind of like you would have on, on those old movies on a. Now hear this. Now, yes, on a, Eisenhower yeah. removes troops from <laughs> like, Ecuador. Like yeah. on a steam, some kind of warship or something. Oh yeah. But it's kind of now hear this as in periods after each thing. Now hear this, and I will say that as somebody is coming into my office, and I'm preoccupied or I'm worried or how am I going to get to this next thing and I have to see this guy first. And mm. so I kind of do a little now hear this, now hear this, which keeps you here with this person, listening as intently as you can, cherishing with every breath and, and choosing to do that. It's hard, but I think that's what the practice is. We think the practice is limited to whatever you, it is you do. You know, like in the morning I pray, I sit. But if the practice isn't a 24-7 now, hear this, then I don't know how you, you, can, yeah. you can't sustain it. Yeah. And, and you think, that's it. That's, I'm good for the day. Right. You know. I tick the box. Yeah, but it doesn't work. It, I mean, it works for, you know, five minutes after you've been sitting. Yeah. I actually find that to be very true. I can have moments of pick your pick your human thing extreme lust or anger or greed or just pettiness 10 minutes after i had a sit or a yeah. walk in the woods i mean like yeah. give me the best of the best a walk in the woods and yeah. then 10 minutes later i might just be like i, I can't stand that person's face <laughs> like, yeah. just like immediately but you're saying go eat go gentle on yourself and and we all need it right now yeah even though we just talked about it, maybe I need it right now. <laughs> well, because you're always trying to return to yourself and to your anchor and your center, as you said earlier. Yeah. And uh, so how do you return? You know, kind of in a... And you're saying the breath. I think that's kind of what I do when I... That's your intentionality, you know, because the homies are, will always say to each other at Homeboy Industries, you know, like when the homies who kind of run the place now and somebody fights... And fights happen, you know. Mm. And then they'll call the person in and say, well, well, he said this to me, you know. No, you allowed him to take you to that place. So, so the idea of being taken to that place, whatever that means, you know, and we all kind of have a sense of it, you know, 
you you have to kind of stay absolutely anchored in mm. the core of your being. Otherwise, you're going to get taken to that place by how annoying that person is or how frustrating mm. he is. And this is the ninth time you've asked him to <laughs> to cut that shit out, you know. And then all of a sudden, you've been taken to that place. Mm. So I don't know how else. What what's the remedy to that human thing? It doesn't mean that it's bad necessarily to be taken to that place but you don't want to lose your your center yeah i i say this on the pod all the time but it's it's not like when you're doing a task one tenth of it is the task and nine tenths is staying connected to your we could say again the center that's not what the quote says but yeah i think that's really interesting but i think that self-forgiveness again having been at this festival and I am not an Enneagram one, but I want everything to go well. I want to do my job well. And in, in fact, if I'm being honest, if you'd like a glimpse into my ego, I want to do the best. I want to do better than everybody else on the show. Yeah, well, sure. And sometimes if I don't, my friend Laura Bites was like, you, you just talk to your child self and go, you don't have to be perfect all the time. It's like, what are you again? I'm a, well, I'm a three wing four. Although Richard thinks I'm a seven. Okay, but so this is the thing, because I know you... <laughs> Tell me. Well, you I, you know it better than I do, and Richard knows it better than anybody does. But but I think there's a, you know, people will say I'm a two. I feel like an eight. Mm. But the thing says I'm a seven. So <laughs> I don't know. But I think that's, I, I would suspect that everybody says, people say I'm this. Yes. I feel like that. Yes. But the test says I'm this. Yeah. I mean, is that true? Well, Mirabai thinks I'm a four. I mean... <laughs> but what I, so for people that don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about the Enneagram and the seven is the enthusiast. And when Richard says you're a seven, I'm like, I'm enthusiastic about you. Like, I'm like, a, like I'm clamoring at his words and everything. So of course I look like a seven, but then I'm like, you should see what I just told you. I, right, the right, three right. wants to do better and actually embarrass their competitors almost like yeah. I, i'm not proud to say that yeah yeah but my favorite movie is there will be blood for fuck's sake you yeah. know what i mean it's like sevens don't love there will be blood they love amelie yeah, <laughs> you know they, yeah. they don't want to watch a movie about a guy <laughs> climbing to his mansion where he dies alone that's that's yeah. the movie of a three even though he's humiliated in the process we don't care we're like my personality still goes like you should do that get away from everybody yeah. and succeed let me ask you this about our breath and staying in it. And I heard you speaking about delighting. We could go back to the Enneagram if you like, but delighting in, in the moment and, and in who's in front of you and yeah. that being a big thing. How much of that is mental and how much of that is stopping thinking? Like, you know what I mean? Like what you said, one of the ways you don't tire at your work is, is you just take it who's in front of you right. and give yourself to them. And don't try to get them, but make sure they can get you. And you kept using the word delight, like find the delight. Like I'm finding the delight in you, right? How much of that is a mental thing where you think, okay, Greg, don't forget, find the delight. Or are you trying to get it into the cellular level where you're just... Well, it's a decision. You have to choose to delight. And then I, I think we would both agree that there's some people you're with, you go, wow, this person's amazing and a ton of fun. Yeah. And maybe it, it, easy to delight in, but then there's the intentionality to. Ch- I'm gonna, you know, duty to delight is what um, uh, Dorothy Day used to talk about. You know, where she chooses 
but it's a duty to delight. Mm. Which say it's a, I've in, never heard that. Duty yeah, it's to intentionality. Delight. I think she got it from Ruskin, but it, it's it's uh, you choose to delight in the person in front mm. of you. It's more like attention. You know, it doesn't mean that it's you're you're dying of laughter with every person. It's not about laughter. It's about choosing, deciding to kind of see kind of see this person as God does to the best of your ability. Yeah. So then you're getting underneath. Your the homies always talk about finding the thorn underneath. Mm. You know, which is kind of allows you to be merciful and to say you know, this violence, that guy who just disrupted the apple cart by fighting in our lobby. You know, what language is that violence speaking? You know, cuz you want to get underneath it. The thorn is the the thing. It's the thing, the wound, the pain, the what's broken right now. I heard you talking about that. And for those that don't know, you work with, with gang recovering gang members or gang members. Gang members, yeah. We'll just say gang members. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it kind of is. I, 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 although we've never said recovering gang members, but that's kind of <laughs> what it is, you mm-hmm. know. Well, I've heard you compare it to alcoholics. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, a, it's about recovery, but it's about attachment repair it's about restoration it's about Mm. discovering the truth of who they are that they're Mm. exactly right and they've always been right but they haven't lived from that place yet you know and wait until you taste that yeah you know that they belong that they belong and then you do it. it it it's not something i i don't transform anybody but transformation happens there yeah and you know uh and it's a place where people, you know, feel cherished. And uh, that's how the world changes when enough people feel cherished. Love or lack of it, as yeah. Fred Rogers said, is the course, uh, the root of all problems. Yeah, That's really interesting. Tell, tell people a little bit. I know I'm making you repeat yourself, but, you know, this is show business. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not in the bad way. We're, I want to show people what you do. What do we get wrong about gang violence just as a as a way to start and then we'll go wherever we go yeah well i mean you know it's about a lethal absence of hope and so people <laughs> think it's bad people doing bad things but like know. the middle east i heard you people yeah. think it's like all oh, these two groups well i i kind of compare that say that it's not like the middle no, east. that's what i mean yeah where it's where it's a conflict right but it's or, not or northern ireland or something There's, right it's not about anything it's it's an indication of of, that people aren't able to imagine a future because they're so in pain and traumatized. The violence is a symptom. A symptom. It's an indicator. It's the cough that tells you you're allergic to your cat. You know. Right. Forgive me for quoting you, yeah. but it's like the alcoholic saying, "I would stop if only my lady would come back. If only my yeah. wife came back." Yeah. But you're like, actually, you need to be rehabilitated. Yeah. And in your case, you've already said it. You need to be cherished. Yeah. So it's not. It's not. Uh, Rehabilitation is kind of an, a word. I'm trying to think words I don't use too much, you know, because it's like, it's like you're returning to what, you know? Mm. It's right, <laughs> you know, I mean, healing is kind of a different thing. So the day will come, hopefully, when we stop punishing wound and we seek to, you know, heal it. And, and the largest mental institution on the planet Earth is L.A. County Jail. So that kind of indicates, <laughs> wow, you know, uh, how we're how we're doing, you know? What I, I sometimes think about this, like what will the legal system look like in 
2177 or something and with, with the advancements we're making with psychology and brain uh you know chemistry and all these things meaning this is an extreme example but i'd love to hear your response to it you the the sniper in texas one of the earliest mass shootings wrote in his suicide note he's like a month ago i started feeling differently and i had all these you know irrepressible urges and please examine my brain. Basically, I donate my brain to science. Yeah. And they found a tumor in the part of his brain that controlled those types of impulses. And then you're like, well, this is a big question and, and feel free to pass, but I, I'm sure uh, whatever you have to say will be fascinating. Where is accountability? I mean, w when you start looking at interconnectedness, you see that nobody's just acting Nobody's a, a, a splinter cell. They're not by themselves. They're, they're products of their environment. And what do we do with accountability? Where, where would Jesus be with accountability, with, with holding somebody accountable for what they did? Yeah, I, I don't know why we, as a culture, we're, we're kind of, uh, that's a big thing, accountability and responsibility. And we feel like we can't hold these, you know, two thoughts at the same time, you know, that, but, but the truth is you want to be able to get at what this was about. You know, David Brooks wrote recently about the Uvalde uh, killer, you know, in, in saying that, you know, he was not, it, it, it was not mental illness because he was never diagnosed mm. with mental illness. I go, well, so? I mean, just, we missed it. Have you met my family? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you want to say, you know, nobody healthy in the history of the world has ever done such a thing. So, I don't know. I mean, and presumably people die of cancer and perhaps they were never diagnosed. Sure. It doesn't mean they didn't die of cancer. Right. You know, so, you know, like, for example, I, you know, uh, you know, I don't want to defund the police, but isn't everybody longing for the day when policing is obsolete and our prisons are empty. I think that's a good thing to long for that. So, it, you know, in the same way that Jesus saw the guy having seizures and he says he's possessed by a demon, well, no, he has ep epilepsy. So we know something today. He was wrong. Mm. You know, I love Jesus, but he was wrong. It, it was epilepsy. Here's a pill. So I, I would like to, to think that we're in a different place now yes. where you have the ACEs, the adverse childhood experiences, and, and, and you go, everybody walks through the doors, that homeboy is a nine or a 10 on the ACEs. Mm. I'm a zero on the ACEs. What is the ACEs? ACEs are the adverse childhood experiences. So they, it's a checkoff thing of 10 things. You know, parents oh, were uh, addicted, uh, father was in prison, I was sexually abused, I was physically abused, I was neglected. Mm. It's all these things that children are exposed to. And if you're four or five, experts would say, you, you chances are you're going to have difficulty socializing and even have physical uh, health problems. Mm. So I'm a zero, you know, I mean, I grew up not far from where we're talking right now and wonderful parents and great siblings and privileged mm -hmm. and educated, etc., and won all the kind of the lotteries that people win and some people don't. So I'm a zero on the aces, but every homie and homegirl is a nine or a 10, wow. which is extraordinary. But that and, sounds like a diagnosis. You're like, look, this is what's happening. Well, it's an, it, it kind of opens the door. So it's not, you know, morality has never kept us moral. It's kept us from each other. And so 
So this isn't about morality. So then you have to let go a little bit of accountability and responsibility, a little bit. You know, people need to be stopped, Need people need to be held accountable. And explaining doesn't excuse stuff. It just helps you, you know, prevent it from happening again, I mm, think. Mm-hmm. You know, where you can kind of say, well, what's this about? What's it mean? What's it pointing to? What could we have done? You know, what if, what if his mom didn't put cigarettes out on him mm. or hold his head in the toilet and flush till he nearly drowned? Mm. What if we could have intervened? All that stuff, I think, is helpful. This it doesn't is you, let people off the hook. I mean, right. This is where you get the cliche, you know, the system failed them, right? I mean, it, it's, it's not just they did it, but it's like the whole... Or the, the community. I mean, the it's community. again, you know, what would we have done? What would we have caught? You know, like with the Uvalde, I don't know very much about him, the Uvalde mm-hmm. uh, shooter, but it, you can go back to all of them. You know, the, the 4th of July shooting in Highland Park, uh, Illinois, mm-hmm. uh, all of them. They all have the same kind of, you know, what would you have done? How would you, how would we have paid attention to this person who was clearly in pain. Nobody, nobody healthy does this. Right. I've heard you say that. It's like if you give a gang member a reason to get up tomorrow, they won't be wandering the streets, you know, I'm oversimplifying, but looking for someone to shoot, walking on, in the wrong neighborhood, looking for trouble, I guess we could say. Or hoping to die. You or know, we think they're hoping to kill, but they're actually hoping to die. That's so, Pete Rollins, you know <clears throat> Pete Rollins? Yeah. He, he had this very cool idea, I thought, about a genie, about a genie. And there's a genie, and but he only grants unconscious wishes. So most people that go to this genie just evaporate because most he's like most people unconsciously desire annihilation. Not and I was either. like, isn't that brilliant? Yeah, yeah. I, I was like, whoo! I mean, I, I'm actually trying to have some solidarity here. Like we have uh, the gang members, and you have me, and and sometimes we feel the same way, you know what I mean? Like you have this unconscious desire to vanish because you get overwhelmed or you get afraid or you feel unsupported or whatever it might be. And also people carry more than than others, and it's it's not fair. I mean, I've never had to carry what... I just came from a funeral of, of a young woman who was killed and... Uh, this morning? This morning. And uh, she used to work at Homeboy a long time ago. She was like 27 and and i've never had to carry what she had to carry you know in terms of parents and Hmm. and degree of difficulty and trying to navigate her life and so i don't know i mean i i rather than you know the morality of it and kind of wag your finger at it you you i mean the homies have taught me that from day one you know tell me well they've taught me about you know um how do you stand in awe at what people have to carry rather than in judgment? Mm-hmm. And so you see the kinds of things that they've had to navigate in their lives. Huge, huge difficulties and unspeakable things have been done to them. Yeah. And it, again, this doesn't excuse violence, but sensible people want to explain it, at least get at it and kind of go, well, how can we help? You know, like the Bodhisattva kind of notion. How, how not just to relieve suffering, but how how could we be helpful here? Mm. You know, as a society. Yeah, I was going to say, isn't there something? I, I see us both doing our best to be like, look, 
there's a place for accountability and justice and there's times when people need to be you know removed from a situation let's just stopped. say i always stopped. say stop i like stopped thank you. Yeah. you you can see me trying my best not to say the wrong thing but yeah. i like stopped but i i often think like god's love doesn't please our mind either does that make sense yeah. sometimes i think god's liberal the way that i see god as as the yes or the the piece of paper everything is written on we don't even like all the things God loves, you know, or, or that God allows. Reality. We don't like reality. And, and well, like yet, we don't agree with God, you know, I mean, right. un, in terms of, so I read a bishop the other day, again, talking about uh, Uvalde, and he was trying to be sympathetic to the community that suffered so much, and he says, as scripture tells us, God stands with the victims and not the victimizers. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I put it down, it was in a newspaper, and I went, Huh. Maybe he could well prove that, I guess, that that's what scripture says. But it's not the God I believe in. Yeah. You know. And so like our mutual friend Mirabai Start talks about it, you know, uh, once you know the God of love, you fire all the other gods. Mm-hmm. And so so I go, yeah, no, I I don't believe in that God for a second. Mm-hmm. Even if he could prove that scripture says that's mm-hmm. true. I mean, I, you know, you and I can have compassion for the person who did this. And, and in what universe is God less compassionate than we are? I, you're stealing a thought right from my uh, probably 15, 16 when I was starting to deconstruct. I didn't know I had. Yeah. But I was like, if I, in my, I couldn't even talk about it publicly, but in my own love thought experiments, if I could find compassion, what? How am I lapping God? <laughs> yeah, exactly. How am I lapping God? I just lapped God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a great image. Uh, because that's that's exactly the problem. Because all of a sudden, your God is too puny. Well, to talk a little bit about that, if you would. You again, I'm going to keep quoting you, but you said, I said something similar. I wrote an episode of The Simpsons. I was quoting Richard. But it was I, my character gave a sermon on The Simpsons, and I was like, "We've we've made a god like us. We made God in our image instead of the other way around. We're supposed to be." And I was like, "When you look at all the different types of flowers, really, I'm just saying the rain falls on the just and the unjust. The same thing. Yeah. When you see this like grotesquely liberal <laughs> love, it doesn't. Like, I'm going back to the. We don't want rain to fall on the thorns, but there it is. Yeah." Would you talk about like we made a God in our image because we want to be worshipped, so we think God wants to be I worshipped? Think that's how we project, you yeah. know. Um, you know, Aunt, Annie Lamott always says, "You know, you've created God in your own image when God hates the same people you do," you know. <laughs> and so, so but that's the same same notion that Richard always talks about. Yes, yes, we're created in God's image, and our image of God creates us, and so that's. I think we're doomed in a way that if your God is puny, you can't be otherwise. Yeah. But if your God is spacious and and expansive, then that gives you room to be that way as, um, you know, as inclusively as you can be. Mm. So, I mean, I, I attribute for, in my own growth, the homies have taught me this because, you know, you had people saying these are just pure evil 
and uh, and I don't believe in evil. I believe in horrible <laughs> and terrible. Hmm. But I don't use the word evil because it creates the very distance that God wants us to bridge. And so I don't believe it. And I just think if if we say evil, it just means we're not even trying, hmm. you know? Hmm. And And I just don't, so I stop doing it. Even sin, you know, like the mystics kind of go, eh. <laughs> Love God and do what you will. Yeah, I mean, Julian <laughs> of Norwich specifically talks about uh, sin is kind of, oh God, I don't. it doesn't have any substance. That's how she said it. Hmm. And I agree with that. You know, once, once you know trauma, once you're trauma-informed, what are we talking about sin? It's not very helpful. It it worked, and that's the thing. It worked. I mean, but, and then it's true. Well, in the our thing, culture. The, yeah. the, the the truth was, I remember a guy got up in San Francisco, and he was a, a gang conference, and and I spoke at it, and he spoke at it, and he was pounding on the podium about some program, and he said, "Listen, people, this works." Mm. And I remember in my program, I wrote, "Yeah, but I bet it doesn't help." <laughs> but later on, I read that. I go, what, what was that about? I go, not everything that works helps, but everything that helps works. But, but our upbringing, you know, I think, mm. w- you know, we were kind of sold all that stuff because it worked. And did it work? My ass was in church every Sunday because I thought it would go to hell. Mm-hmm. Yes, it worked. But did it help? Not by a long shot, not even yeah. close. Yeah. And so Homeboy Industries has sort of taught me that. If you do the thing that helps, it works. That's kind of a byproduct. But not everything that works helps. And so the, the, the decision is do the thing that helps. It's, it's about invitation. Like I think we're being invited to stuff. Mm. And, and it's joy. My joy, yours. Your joy, complete. It's not about cut that shit out. Right. It's about, hey, come over here. You're gonna this is where the joy is. I, I does that make sense? Yeah. Oh yeah. No, we're sitting at the same table yeah. and I and I love it. <clears throat> I I liken it to the everybody poops thing. It's like it's very easy to sell something when you're can you remember I remember being a kid and, and even thinking the fact that I went to the bathroom was kind of questionable. <laughs> you know what I mean? Being like Am I okay? Yeah, I have poop coming out of my clean, butt three yeah. times. Like, not clean. Yeah. Not broken. I knew I was yeah. okay, but I was like, I'm a beast. I'm some sort of beast. And then forget it when I hit puberty and now I'm blind. Like, I can't even, you know how your brain can't recall pain? I think it also, like, it can't actually recreate pain in your mind. Uh, it's a preservation technique. I also think you can't remember how horny you were when you were 12. Right, right. <laughs> like, you think you do, yeah, but you don't. You don't, because it was so awkward and, and you didn't know what to make of it. Yeah, you delete it. Like, women delete childbirth. Right. <laughs> You're just like, forget it. Men yeah. delete how horny they were when they were 12. So when you throw that in the mix. But I'm just saying, like, if you want to hook somebody, there was a movie called Selling God. It wasn't a perfect movie, but it was a good movie, a documentary. And it was like, it's very basic marketing. Um create a need. Okay. You're born sinful. Then create urgency. You're going to die. And you either go, we're back to that binary and out good, bad heaven, hell thing. And then of course that's going to work. And what I'm hearing you say, and and tell me if you agree, it's a Richard Rohr point, but he goes in our, in our country, we think if it works, it's true. So for example, I was just talking to somebody about Marvel movies and I like Marvel movies. I'm not 
This isn't shots fired against Marvel movies. But take any environmentalist. Nobody's going like, what is the environmental footprint of making a Marvel movie? And I've been on the set of movies. You might blow up a car 28 times, but it doesn't matter because it makes $100 billion. Yeah. Or, or there's probably way worse things. Trucks, millions of trucks, carbon emission, all that stuff. But no one in their right mind would go against something that's huge and profitable because it works. Yeah. So it must be true. Yeah. But what you're saying is just because scaring people into God works puts butts in seats. Right. As Richard would say, it also keeps the clergy employed right. because we need you to clean us yeah. <laughs> every week. Yeah. <laughs> unless, it, unless you can kind of, you know, like I think the, it was the gospel on Sunday where it's, uh, you know, the, the rich guy who kind of builds the tower to hold all his grain and everything. And then they go, what a fool, it, you know, because tonight you're going to die. Yeah. And now w- what good is it? Yeah. And so, so Jesus tells that parable, but the last line. There's so many that are like, they're like Chris Rock jokes. Yeah. They really are. Yeah. It's like, where that's, they kind of, that's fierce. It is. But the last <laughs> line is about, uh, you know, growing rich in the things that matter to God. So, yeah. you know, so I'm preaching on that. I don't care about all that. This isn't about bank accounts. This is about growing rich. So if you kind of distill the thing, it says, cut that shit out. Don't be greedy. Don't, you know, stop that. Mm. But the last line is about growing rich in the things that matter. Well, that's the thing I'm going to that's the invitation. So find I, I, my insight was find the invitation mm. because it's always inviting you to joy, not to cut that shit out, mm, you know. Mm. And and so you want to find the joy. You know, if people people think that being a Christian, for example, is like some grim duty. But but it's really kind of where the joy is, at least for me. Yeah. You know, at the margins with folks who are struggling, you go, "Wow, this must be hard." I go no. That's it, where the joy is. That's I feel. I feel kind of selfish. I I believe you. And if there's anything I can offer you that's unique for me, is I was just at a smoke blowing <laughs> festival uh-huh. where you blow smoke up my ass, I blow smoke up your ass, and we yeah. all walk around. As Ramdas would say, I say I see your outfit, I see your disguise, and I validate that it's real. Do you see my disguise and validate that it's real? Yeah. We all just go around telling each other that our, our masks are on straight and you really are Pete Holmes. And I go, and you really are that. And here's an award or, or and like, and here's a special headlining gala or whatever it is. Yeah. And I just want to not, you don't seem to need encouragement, but I believe everybody enjoys it. It doesn't, it doesn't work. I'm not saying I, I can, it's a paradox. On one hand, I'm so grateful that I get to do something so, so rare and so uniquely lined up with my talents being comedy. But on the, in the other hand, I'm going like, I think in the same verse, Jesus says, don't store your treasure where moth and rust can yeah, corrupt. That's right. So the real, the real shit, the real shit. And I get intoxicated. I get seduced. Like salt and light, flavor and, and illumination. Like these are sexy things. These are alluring things. And when I get them and when you know them, when you hear them, I'm saying like the, the, it's not just a duty spirituality. It actually, it actually makes me start inflating again because I was just at a place where all we were doing was you know, 
filling up a silo when we were going to die that night. Yeah, but it's also <laughs> your gift, you know. And so I, I, you're not diminishing your no, gift. No, no, no. Because you understand, you know, and then how necessary it is for people to laugh and to kind of be lost in some kind of moment where you just say, well, that was a, you know, a good use of my time. Yes. But then there's all the other stuff that Well, I'm talking about the badges yeah. and the who said what to yeah, me. And yeah. it's a real orgy of that. It's it's tough. It's and gotta I, be tough. I so Richard has a, a line where he goes, Life isn't about you, you are about life. Yeah. And I every morning I would say, The festival's not about me. I'm about the festival. I'm one of the co creators of this joyful thing that people need and all that stuff. But if I didn't take that moment, I know the de- the depression you get. We actually kind of become immune. Someone could go, you're the greatest thing in the world, and you, you don't even feel it. Yeah. So enough about me. I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about what what is the real treasure? What is the pearl of great price and all that? And how do you identify it, and how do you commune with it? Yeah, I, I don't know if it's if it's the same for everybody. You know, I mean, it's it's how do you... It's the, what is same, I think, is, you know... Uh, to find your true self in loving. And then then you love being loving. So it's not about return. It's not about if anybody loves you back, then you don't even care. Because that's the kind of God we have who could <laughs> give two shits whether you love them back. We don't, be- we don't believe that because our DNA says... I'm a bad boy. Yeah, and it also <laughs> says that God says, uh, as I have loved you, love me back. Though you won't find that anywhere, really. Yeah. God says, as I have loved you, so must you have a special preferential care and love for the widow, orphan, and the stranger. It's so not what we expect. Yeah. You know, it's about loving folks who are who the world says we can live without you. And and so then you kind of go, Wow, that's the kind of God we have. That's the kind of love I want to be. And then you you try it on for size, and you go, "Wow, this is this is the most joy I've ever known." Mm. You know, so I think it's like that. I but 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 not that everybody does the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, do you see a corollary with fulfilling your life's purpose, lining up your talents, plugging into a community, and sort of waking up to your connection? Yeah, but you know, so. Because I listen to you, you know, so I know Leela and Val, and, and that's your, that's your con- connective tissue to tenderness, and on an ongoing, intimate way. Yes, and you are in possession of your gift, you know, which there's nothing that's holy yeah. to kind of say. Well, I'm going to use my gift. Sometimes it means it here. Sometimes it means on the road sometimes it's a filmed thing whatever it is yeah. sometimes it's this yeah you know and and you go yeah i i'm i'm good at this i i it's okay to find the thing you're good at i mean that's not like counter <laughs> well that's something i've anything i've brought up to david david nickturn who's a great buddhist teacher and my friend and i i was saying i find it very strange or i used to that i would do stand up but think of what think of what I'm saying. I'm connecting with 300 people and really becoming like one thing. And then after that, I really feel vanished. Like you'd think I'd be the most Pete Holmesy I've ever been, but afterwards I actually feel. What do you mean by vanished? Anchored in in uh, my true self, I guess you could say, 
in in the oneness of things. Yeah. Meaning I get like a spiritual it's cheap to call it a kick, but I feel calm, I feel centered, I feel loved, and I feel loving. The joke Val and I make about Leela is if she ever wants something, she just has to ask me after I get off stage. You know what I mean? It's yeah. because I I don't that's that's the most open hearted place. So to go back to what we were saying, when I be, went into comedy, my church, uh, my mom's friend who had the gift of prophecy, uh, they said, <laughs> wrote me a letter about the the dangers of going into something so evil. And what a strange journey it's been to come to this other say, and I go, that's the unlikely place God was actually hiding. And Richard would say, that's the only way God gets us to do anything, is yeah. he, he dangles what you want and sort of sabotages you or, or yeah. surprises you. Uh, does that make sense? Oh, yeah, I think absolutely. Yeah. And, and then I think people don't really find something, find the thing that they're good at, you know? There's nothing wrong with that. Mm. Otherwise, it's you're a slave to, you know, somebody else's expectations or something. I wonder how many of the homies, I have to think they're funny homies. Oh my God. <laughs> funny gang members. Because can I say that one of the points of comedy, you'd be shocked, especially when I'm working it out and trying to find out what I'm going to do, yeah. how much it's just funny to remind people that they're going to die. There's this real like, yeah. there's, there's something really funny about that silo bit. Yeah. The guy that puts all his grain away and then he died that night. That's a joke. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if people laughed. Yeah, On this podcast right. I've called the prodigal son Jesus's closer. Like he would that's that's the big fin yeah. finish. Yeah. And that's a that's a good opener. The side and we, we have we all have openers, we all have closers, yes. we all have the the as the homie called it, uh, you have to pepper your talk with self defecating humor. <laughs> and then so you do, but it's actually true. You have to kind of uh be self um you know, kind of disparaging. Lower so yourself a little bit. A little bit so that people can go, oh, okay, well, he doesn't take himself too seriously. Yeah. You know, but I mean, it's a, it was kind of a good advice, you know. Mm -hmm. yeah. So you lit up when I said there are funny homies. I, I just wonder how many of them would be great comedians. Oh my God, they're just amazing. It's one of the, it's one of the counter things when people say, this must be hard bearing kids, you know, and which and that is. Life isn't hard there, you know. It's it's mm. hilarious. People, <laughs> you know, it, we're in a group in my office, and and a bunch of navigators, and a, and a woman. She goes, "Well, today's my tenth anniversary of my marriage." And I said, "Wow!" And I know them both, you know, and both gang members, and and somebody had, had recently had a kind of a, a minor stroke where they one of the homies, an older guy, had some paralysis in his hand so we were talking about that and and her man had a stroke a couple of years ago hmm. and she was saying i remember when he had a stroke i mean and uh and i asked him in the hospital when he came to do you remember who i am and he goes yes he nods and says yes and i said fuck <laughs> the whole room died we fell out of our chairs and it was kind of a testament to how much they get on each other's nerves. Yes. Know? But they were also quite, um, it was very kind of telling about how, and how everybody just enjoyed it. They just kind of, I'm hilarious. I mean, you should come by sometime. I would love to. And, and, and in no time you will see how, um, 
smart, witty, quick, fast. It's, you know, <clears throat> the reason I'm not surprised is, is it's people who are in touch with reality or, or with the absurd. When I say absurd, I don't mean bad, but the cosmic joke, the sort of like the fragility, all of that stuff breeds comedy. Like people who need to make themselves feel better, that need that hit, that endorphin, and need to see who's with them. Like yeah. they're these little sonar pings of like, yeah. who thinks like me? Is there anything funnier than just calling out like, what a scary situation that was? You know? Yeah, like, exactly. Am I the only one that just, I was shitting my pants. And yeah. people laugh, and you need it. Yeah. That's what I'm doing my whole life is going but you know so like we have tours all the time we have probably six groups all the time and and i heard a homegirl giving a tour and uh overheard her because i I never give tours but the homies give the tours and at one point she chose to say here at homeboy we laugh from the stomach and i went wow that's exactly right as opposed to some kind of superficial thing laughing from the stomach that's it yeah I, that's the whole that's the law and the prophets right there that is it you know to be able to do that because everybody knew exactly and now we say it a lot mm. you know um when you comment on the quality of the laughter it was everybody was laughing from the stomach yeah which is not a thing i'd ever heard before yeah but as soon as uh, i heard it i went that's exactly right yeah at the deep from your deepest most whole most holy place that's how our people are laughing do you have to this is i'm, I'm just embarrassed that I, i'm just so unfamiliar with your world that i'm worried about embarrassing myself and asking no, a dumb question worry. but when i'm with comedians that are from the projects or whatever there's a language of like the the jokes take on a different level. It's like, can I hang? Yeah. Do you ever feel that you're being tested if you can hang? I have to imagine, yes, in lots of different ways. Well, but see, I've been doing this for almost forty years, so I, I kind of I got the jargon and I understand, you know. But do you ever make fun of? Like, do you ever do snaps and stuff? Like, yeah, no, yeah, I think we all do it, and and it's like uh, you can kind of get into that mode, you know. A comedian I know is uh, Felipe Esparza. I don't know if you know him. Oh, no, I'm embarrassed. Yeah, yeah. he he won the, what's that comedian show? The Last talent? Comic Standing? Yeah, he won that and, okay. and gave half the money to Homeboy. And No way. Yeah, he was homie from the projects, and he's had HBO he specials. Gave, that's uh, net, not gross. Yeah, he gave yeah. half away because the taxes are half too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> go so, on, go but on. he grew up in the projects. Was it uh, was that homeboy? Publicly talks about his own recovery and wow. addiction and stuff. And I sent him to rehab. And uh, but he'll do you know comedy in the early days stuff about growing up in the projects, which you know hilarious for all of us. You know, folks who are kind of familiar with it. Mm-hmm. You know. But, but you go ahead. Keep yeah, no. Peace. But so then you know. So I don't know. I I, I get it. And but do you make fun of yourself? Do you call yourself corny or <laughs> make fun of yourself for being a white guy a white or whatever it might well, be? But see, it's funny. It's it's kind of more of an. Angle? It's not a thing. You know, I I don't think it's. Uh, which I think it people disqualify themselves all the time. They think, uh, you know, how could I possibly 
be a beneficial presence at Homeboy Industries right. as a volunteer, for example. Yeah. Because I'm white and I come from privilege or whatever. But it's, but that's the kind of great liberation is knowing that if you're the proud owner of a pulse, you know, and if you, <laughs> and if you, you know, can you love people? Can you be reached by people? Can mm. you receive people? Can you cherish people? Well, then you don't have to be their you know, color. You don't have to be a gang member or their yeah. color. Yeah. And I think that's the great liberation because they feel like only gang members can connect to gang members. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, that that's is what I'm talking about. I yeah. don't want to be embarrassed, but that is what yeah. I was thinking. You know, and I think it's okay. I, I bet a lot of people think that. But it happened in the old days. You know, when I, in the early days when I was doing shuttle diplomacy and the projects and, and you were trying to kind of get rival gangs to talk to each other. Before I realized that that supplied oxygen to gangs and was probably not a good thing. But mm. we would meet with gang members who were kind of, you know, hardcore gang intervention workers. You know, they were trying to... And, and there was always that moment that came, you know, and I'm a white priest among all these African-American and Latino, you know, gang outreach workers. And then they would say, you know, I think the homies are going to listen to us more than they're going to listen to you. And I'd always say the same thing. I go, well, if the task is talking to gang members, you're right. But if the task is listening to them, mm. who can't do this? Mm. You know, if the task is receiving them or allowing your heart to be altered by them, who can't do that? Well, let me, let's talk a little bit about that because Val, I, I, there's a chance you heard me say this, but I sometimes struggle even just watching a movie where people are foolish or uneducated. <laughs> like, really, like, it's hard for me. This it might be scapegoating, but I really feel like I was conditioned to go, well, that's ridiculous and uncomfortable. And if I even sympathize with it, I'm somehow aligning with this weakness. And the reason I'm asking, like, the joke is... Well, give an example of that. I'll give you an example. Boogie Nights, I never... I love Paul Thomas Anderson, but I really struggle with watching Boogie Nights uh, because I can't stand watching a kid get into porn, start doing cocaine, uh, you know, go to a guy's house with guns and almost die. Yeah. I'm sitting there, again, I will not be made a fool of, so this man is a fool and I disown him. And like, I can't even enjoy the movie. And Val was like, you just have to watch it from a neutral place, like from a spacious place. And just, this is, this is okay. This is what's happening. But you watch it from a place that says, how could you be so stupid? That's what I'm doing. And you watch it from a place that maybe says something about, you know, morally, um, you oh, know, yeah. out of whack. And I don't want to admit that I am like it's another core negative belief is that I'm stupid or that I am weak or as my mother would say carnal that I would do cocaine yeah. or that I would be in pornography yeah. but of course <laughs> there's of course a part of me that would love to do cocaine and be in pornography yeah. but I can't even get over that hump so my question is I finally learned how to watch Boogie Nights and now I, I like it quite a bit more can appreciate it I can appreciate it but when you're dealing with real people I guess it's a silly question, but like, how how do we open our hearts more? How do we turn off the judgment? Like, I feel my father's voice, you know, who's a loser and who's not a loser, like, and guilt by association, all these things 
that the temptation that when you're talking to a homie and they walk away and you go like, yikes or whatever it is, right. you know what I'm saying? Like, how do you, how do you, yeah. is it just by no, rote? That's a, good, that's a good question, I think. But I think it's also, again, part of your practice is to cultivate what St. Ignatius, who founded the Jesuits, whose feast day was yesterday, when, uh, and, and, and he used to talk about, he has a word in Spanish called acatamiento, and it means affectionate awe. And it's kind of how, what, it's a stance in the world. Mm. So the opposite of that is judgment. And and you want to get as far away from judgment as you can. I'm just writing down affectionate yeah. awe. Affectionate awe. Is... And so I always talk about awe, but then I, I I ran across this word that he used in the last 12 years of his life, and he kept using it in his spiritual journal, and then he went back and he circled it. And the word was acatamiento, and it comes from the word acatar, which means to look at something with attention, which is kind of what we want to do in our lives. We want to look at people and situations with attention, not judgment. Hmm. And and so it, it's kind of how, he, part of it is how he felt towards God, affectionate awe. But then he, he didn't settle for this mystical singular thing between him and God. He wanted it to be a stance in the world. Here's how I will see people. So then you watch Boogie Nights and you go, affectionate pain, awe. pain, yeah. wound, brokenness. Yeah. But then you kind of do that, you know, how do you look at the insurrectionists on January 6th and you go, well, nobody healthy did that. I'm sorry. It has nothing to do with politics. It has, none of us are well till all of us are well. Mm -hmm. And we both love Ram Dass. And it's like, you know, walking each other home means you're, you're, you're loving people into wholeness. Mm. So I don't have to judge them. You know, nobody chooses to be unwell. Mm. You know, it chooses them. And we're all on a continuum of, you know, being not well. Mm -hmm. And how do we help each other just in this moment to be healthier, you know? And it's not a once and for all health. It's a breath by breath. (laughs) It's a breath by breath. And it's also healthy is holy and holy is healthy. There's, I don't think anybody's ever met a a holy person who wasn't healthy, Mm. you know? Mm. I don't think. And holy not meaning moral, I just want to point and it out. it doesn't mean moral, yeah. and it also doesn't mean perfect. Yeah. but It means whole, it means... It means whole, and and so, like... In the family of things. Not, again, not to get political, but, you know, it's like people will say, well, Joe Biden is a, who I know, is a good, decent um, man. And you might, somebody else might say, but Donald Trump, not so much. But I think those... We name things incorrectly. It's about, I think Joe Biden is, is a relatively healthy, well, whole person. And mm-hmm. I don't think Donald Trump is. Mm-hmm. I don't have to hate him. I don't think he's a bad man. You can have the same, look, I have to look. You can have the same affection at all. Affection at all. And, and your starting points are all of us are unshakably good and we belong to each other. Now you can roll up your sleeves. How do we help each other? How do we walk each other home? How do we, you know, help each other be whole? Mm. And and uh, and and that was a, a campaign ad that was on uh, uh, buses for the LA County Mental Health Department, and it said, "None of us are well until all of us are well." Mm. And I remember seeing that on a bus. I went, "That's what I believe." Mm. 
Because then it's a, it's not about he, how could you be so stupid, or these are bad people. No, you know it's like if they're indicators of this is healthy or not so healthy. Mm. I think this is why we love when Sarah Silverman or somebody goes to the house of yeah, hardcore Trumpers and you right. see can we can we separate someone from a group and and talk to a person? Yeah, we love stories of like Green Book is a movie about somebody with complicated sure. racial feelings with a black man and and we love those yeah. we can't get enough of those i often joke we don't have enough time for everybody to go on a cross-country road yeah, right. trip with a trans person or a black person or yeah. a gang member but or a trump supporter or a trump supporter i mean yes that, yeah. i i would love to have yeah well i should w watch what i wish for but like a bonding moment a human moment with these people but you know matthew dowd who who is i, I really like and wrote a good book uh, whose title escapes me, but he was saying, you know, he was talking about why did it take a hundred years for reconstruction? And he said, because a third of the American people do not believe that all men and women are created equal. Mm -hmm. And then he said, why does it take 60 years from Emmett Till to Donald Trump? And he said, because a third of the American people don't believe that all men and women are created equal. Mm -hmm. I think he's right. But now what do you say? The third of the American people are stupid mm. or bad? Or evil. No. I, I go, well, it's an indicator that, that we're, none of us are well until all of us are well. It's about right. wellness. Healing. Yeah. And it's about people need to, but it, they don't need to kind of figure it out. You know, like, oh, now I see. Nobody healthy. Yes. Doesn't believe that all men and women are created equal. So it's about health, not... So when you see a, a man uh, attacks an aged Asian woman on the streets of San Francisco, you go, oh, Asian hate crime. Well, I, well no, it's not about hate. It's about health. Nobody healthy has ever done such a thing. Yeah. And, and so what, when you say hate, I denounce hate, well, then it's about me. It's self-congratulatory. And this is why we don't make progress, because we don't name things correctly. Mm. It's about it's about health. It's not about hate. And then you can stand with affection at all mm -hmm. at the guy who did that because he's in he's pain that he didn't unhealthy. choose. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the same for our our families and our friends and everybody Absolutely. around us. Yeah. yeah. You said something that was similar to what Mother Teresa said. You said people are like, we're going to face ha hate head on, so they'll have a hate summit. And you're like, it would be better if it was called a health summit. Yeah. And Mother, I'm sure you know this quote, she's like, I won't go to an anti-war rally, let me know when you have a peace rally. You know, she thought those types, that type of language was important. Yeah. Aligning with what you want instead of against it, what you don't want. It creates a high moral distance, you know. And it's it also an ego trip. Them. Yeah, it's yeah. An ego trip. Exactly. It's, it's self-congratulatory, I think. As someone who's done it, I can tell you it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, affectionate awe, not to get too heady, but a little heady, it seems to me that when I can, and I can do it right now, look from affectionate awe, is another way to say that it's like looking from a state of being, almost like putting more contemplative looking, meaning looking without thinking, looking at something without labeling it. How many exercises are there where it's like, look at a tree, but drop the labeled tree 
and let it change you instead mm. of you imposing your will on it. Let it into you. Richard tells great stories. You don't have to go to Jerusalem to meet Christ or anywhere. Anything, this couch seen well, seen perfectly, seen honestly, yeah. would be enough to convert you if you could quiet your mind enough. So when you're looking with affectionate, so what are we doing? We're softening, we're being loving, we're being spacious. That's affection. Val has so much space for me. That's a good way that I think of her love. And I try to give her space. And then awe is appreciation, but it's also attention. But it's looking from, now we're getting heady, but being itself. It's, it's, I'm looking from the phenomenon of awareness, not, almost not even as Pete. Pete looks at you, I go, well, he's older, he, you know, I can go, he, he might be bald, he has a beard, he has glasses, he's got a shirt with his, all that, you know, and now I'm not even seeing you anymore? Right. Is, is it about how we see? Is it, I think it's a lens, exactly. Yeah. It's a lens. And you find your lens, you know, your mystical lens is what I would call it. Yeah. You know, and, and, it's, and it's, a, it's a mystical filter like, I have a spiritual ex, uh, director, Sergio, who's a homie, and we email every morning. Mm. And he always talks about the mystical filter. So we're, we're sending, we're like commenting to, to each other, like on the readings of the day. And you'll read Jeremiah, and you go, Yeah, I don't believe in that God mm. that wants to, you know, shower horrible things on us because we're wicked. Mm. I don't believe in that God. And he talks about, you know, a time for the mystical filter. So he'll read it through the filter and go, oh, no, this is just human beings. It's scripture, but it's human beings, you know, projecting onto God yes. their own anxiety. And, and why wouldn't fear. they have? Why would, why would human beings stop doing what we've always done yeah. just for the period where we were writing the Bible? That's right. But they don't always do it. There's sometimes you go, oh. They were there. God is tender, which yeah. is why Jesus quotes certain parts from the Old Testament and not the stuff. And I'm going to presume it's because he didn't buy it. I think so, too. Yeah. I Because mean, he had a mystical lens that he would put on and you'd go, nah, once you know the God of love, you fire all but the But isn't other that gods. the whole picking grain on Sabbath thing? I mean, yeah, like, exactly. Jesus was fierce. He was. This is one of my things that Richard really taught me was that, like, I don't know. It, it's fun. It's fun. We're drinking our liquid death water. I was going to joke with you. I was like, isn't it funny how much death imagery Jesus uses, how the, the baptism is like a drowning. I, yeah. I've said this a million times, but it, it's, it's not gentle. It's, I'm going to drown you. I, it is gentle too, but you, he's talking about, you have to die. You have to die. You have to die. You have to, you have to be willing to let it all go. Again, I'm reminded of your homies, the, the ones on the street. There's like a certain urgency. You know, Jesus says, God is burglar. God is, uh, wait for God like you're waiting for a thief in the night. There's a certain urgency that only comes when you're waiting to die. Right. That's in the Tao Te Ching as well. It's like careful as a man crossing a frozen lake. You know, that's it when your hand is actually moving where you're conscious that's right. a lens that's, that's right. a lens you're looking that's at. right right and if that's what you practice what you work at that's why it's it's you 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 think you put the glasses on and you have the lenses but you don't you know mm. it's really a constant and you you know pema chodron always talks about catch yourself you have to catch yourself mm. 
because you're you're starting to you know move up it's not like sin but you're starting to move away from affection at all yeah to to the judgment that creates a distance you know that keeps it about me as opposed to delighting in you hmm. you know and that you know which which is why i i don't have a lot of patience for for burnout stuff you know people always say god how do you burn out how do you not burn out or but i i always tell my staff because i learned this the hard way because there was a time when it was all about me and it was i was trying to save rescue fix you know this Mm. is kind of obvious but but then you decide no you know and no amount of me wanting that homie to have a life will ever be the same as his wanting to have one so <laughs> so you have to kind of wait for it to happen. But you also, it can't be about you. If you're burning out, I tell that to our senior staff, if you're burning out, it's because you've allowed it to become about you. And it can't be. It has to just be, and it can't be about outcomes, which is sort of the idea of the, if it works, mm. you know, evidence-based outcomes, which is the, the bane of nonprofits. You know, they all have to prove that it works and i'm not interested you know i hmm. you know we're not called to be successful as mother Teresa says we're called to be faithful so you try to stay faithful to what you believe in as a technique or as a strategy or as a way of a lens but you don't want to be the one doing it right doing what F- doing the fixing you, yeah, you're no. just made available no because if you're receiving people, if you're allowing your heart to be altered, if you're being reached by them, you know, you know, you're, you transformation will happen because it's exquisitely mutual. It's not me, yeah, saving you. Pardon the interruption, weirdos. Just another reminder: please go to homeboyindustries.org, make a donation. They also have a is it a five k five k for charity for them coming up if you like to run and help i just like to send money and help and sit on my couch but some people like to run and help uh i also bought some homeboy industries uh, a t-shirt and a hat it's a great way to support um obviously as we're discussing in this episode uh at the homies as father greg calls them uh make this apparel help make it so you're supporting their jobs and their cause which is incredible and uh yeah uh, that's it. Also, we have another Pete's pick here for you, uh, a real favorite of mine, which is feels. CBD is not about what you feel. It's about what you don't feel, namely stress, anxiety, pain. Fields is a premium CBD that helps keep your head clear and feel your best. It's hassle-free, delivered directly to your door. And CBD naturally helps reduce stress, anxiety, pain, and sleeplessness. There's no hangover or addiction. I have been using CBD for many years, and I can attest that Feels is absolutely as good as it gets. Helps me unwind, helps me with pain, helps me fall asleep, you name it. I even sometimes use it when I'm working because it just elevates my mood and helps me ease into what I'm working on, which is wonderful. Take a few drops of Feels under your tongue and feel the difference within minutes. The thing to remember about CBD is that finding a right dose is important and every dose is different and Feels even will send you a flight of different strengths of CBD to try, which is how I dialed in my dose. So if you need a dose of chill on the go, you can even try Feels new CBD infused mints for a clear headed feeling with a bonus, fresh 
breath. In fact, Feels offers a free CBD hotline to help guide your personal experience so that you find your perfect dose. The Feels customer service team is dedicated to making sure you get the best use of your CBD. I love this company and they're not just shoving CBD down your throat. They want to make sure you get the exact right one in the exact right dose. Good on you, Feels. Joining the Feels monthly membership as I did using this promo code makes your self-care easy. You'll save money on every order. I can attest to that. The, the discount is substantial and you can pause or cancel any time. So start feeling better with Feels. Become a member today by going to Feels, F-E-A-L-S dot com slash weirdo, and you'll get 50% off your first order, 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash weirdo to become a member and become and get 50% off automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. Feels.com slash weirdo. All right, guys, enjoy the last half of our chat with Father Greg. This is something that I I struggle with. When I get exhausted, it's because I feel like I've read enough and I've listened enough and I've been quiet enough or whatever. And then I feel like my tank is full and then I'm not proud of this. I'll go out and I'll hose it out. But like then it depletes. And I've run out of what I thought was compassion, but it was actually just an ego trip. It was just me going like, I know the quote for that. I know the passage for that. I read yeah. a book about that. And look at how calm I'm being as I say it to you. It's really show business. I mean, it really is like a persona. When what I hear you saying, it's more like a jellyfish or something. There's something. Well, but you find the thing that's eternally replenishing, which is delighting in you. Yeah. Delighting in, in Leela and Val. Delighting in the people you encounter and choosing to do that. Then it's eternally replenishing. Yeah. But if it's about you rescuing people or saving the day or being successful, then you'll be depleted. But I don't think there's anything wrong with exhaustion. I mean, that just means you're Giving. expending. <laughs> and, and that's fine. Yeah. But if it's depleting, depleting is different than, uh, I think, than, than um, you know, than exhaustion. Mm. You know, depletion means... Your battery, you've connected it, and it's it's actually losing power. Yeah. What do you do if you're, what if I was just not your cup of tea? <laughs> you know, like this is easy. We have very similar beliefs, and yeah. and I think we're enjoying each other. This is easy. Yeah. So I'm having no problem to have affectionate awe. Um, what do you do with difficult people? <laughs> yeah. No. I, what if I, I think... kept interrupting, like I just did? interrupting or swearing or saying blasphemous things or or you know or that i think you're stupid you're a fool homeboy industries is a waste of time yeah. what do you do with this yeah i you know that's a good question <laughs> i mean i i think uh have you ever been like you know i know dangerous people <laughs> <laughs> and i know where you live exactly. so. <laughs> i was really hoping you would laugh and at that map quest <laughs> okay so, there we go but you know yeah, I, it's hard. I, I, I don't want to. It's like this is easy. It's not easy, you know, because it's obviously it's, it's easy to delight in people who are, who are delightful. Yeah. But then, um, how do you kind of, you know, shift gears a little bit with somebody who's being absolutely, and it happens only every day at Homeboy, belligerent, hard-headed. Yeah. You have to make this little jump, and rather than saying, you know, what an asshole. You kind of go, oh, I mean, it's hard to do, you know, because you go, 
I'm not enjoying this person. But you can appreciate, you start to appreciate, that's what affectionate awe is, and that's why you practice at it, because it's going to be, it'll come in handy and it'll be difficult. I'll give you an example. Maybe it'll make it easier. Not that you did a lovely job. I'm just saying. (laughs) One of the things that I think makes this podcast work is I'm never hesitant to give you an example from my own life or the guests. Please, please. I was in Montreal and my mom texted me. She had texted me earlier and and, and she, um, she mentioned that someone she knew had a charity and that they wanted... Uh, to forward the information to me. Now already I'm on edge. Yeah. Like if you really want to know, it's it's not good what I feel when that comes through because I'm like, this is about you. You want to get your son, uh, your successful son, to donate to your friend's charity so you can feel like that. May none of that. I don't know if you know Byron Katie. I can stop and go. Is that true? I don't know if that's true. Like I'm getting all worked up about something yeah. I don't know it's true. But you know. What can I do? I'm I'm still getting very worked up. Yeah, but you know, I I calmed myself. I I took what did Pema, Pema Children you say? You caught yourself. I caught myself because I'm I'm shaking as I'm replying to yeah. the text. I go, just don't reply. Take an hour and yeah. then reply. And that's one of the greatest life hacks of all time. Yeah. And I just wrote, yeah, send it to me. I'll take a look. And I wrote, and if I feel, and if I donate, um, I have all the information or something like that. But I'm trying to have a boundary and be like. You don't get to tell me. I don't like this. Yeah, <laughs> I don't like this. Yeah. So then, a couple of weeks later, uh, while I'm in Montreal, she texts me again and she goes, "I spoke to my friend and she said you haven't donated yet." And I'm like, "Full uppercase fuck, like fuck off, like you can't do this to me." Uppercase, uppercase just. I, I feel like a petulant child. Yeah. And it's very hard in that moment to have affectionate awe. What I tend to do, and I have to think that you would be in favor of this, is I find compassionate friends. I talked to my friend, Laura Bites, who said, your mom can't put something on your to-do list, which I thought was beautiful. Yeah. People that validate my feelings, people that say it's safe and right and okay. Right. Let's not say right or wrong, but it's okay that I feel how I feel. I might even be wrong. My mom's intentions could be completely different. But I'm actually going to try and answer the question for you. It seems like maybe we need to give ourselves time and patience before we can have that affection awe, that it's not going to necessarily be like, well, Father G said have affection awe, so I should immediately yeah. be fine with this. <laughs> or yeah. what, do you, what do you think? Well, I think it's a stance. You know, it's a stance of your own intentionality and choosing. So I'm going to, I'm going to decide to do this today knowing that you're going to be tested only all the time, <laughs> you know, by 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 belligerence and hardheadedness and people who are in pain and are flailing, you know. I mean, that is, uh, I, I don't mean to sell out my mom, but because we share DNA, I know in those moments there is a flailingness to it. There's a there's a want for connection. Yeah, and I'll do anything to do it. I would even say she might even. I can't know. But my mom would rather I be mad than ignore her. Yeah. Does that ring a bell? That's right. Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. She's even told me as such. She's like, she'll she'll poke right where I don't want her to poke because she'd rather I lose my temper than than just be like, hi, mom. I love you, mom. She doesn't, she doesn't want that. And that's yeah. actually one of the things I like about her. She wants something real. Yeah. She wants the real stuff. 
But it, it's hard for humans, you know, because <laughs> well, but because we want to win the argument and we want to end up on top. Yeah, but I think you know the reason we make progress when we name things correctly, and so when we can identify stuff, I wonder what that is. I wonder why she did that. I wonder what that means. You know, it seems so simple talking to you now. Yeah. I'm like. Mom, but in the moment you're valuable i see you yeah i i i value you yeah like you say i cherish you yeah that it's so simple on this yeah. couch <laughs> yeah but there i am at lunch and i have a show to do that night but you're right it's all identity and when we talk about boundaries it's like what are those boundaries protecting it's usually a sense of me on top in control yeah winning. not vulnerable winning yeah. Did you say winning? Yeah, winning. Yeah, I, I am a winning thing. Yeah, no, that's right. And now in comes mom, and I'm like, I'm a losing thing. Yeah. This can't be. And yeah. then as Val tells me all the time, she's like, it's not just the feeling, it's that you're ashamed that you can be made to feel that way so quickly. Yeah. And how vulnerable you are. That's right. That's right? right? Isn't she yeah. wise? She's so good. Yeah. But And it's been being taken to that uncomfortable place that takes you from your center. Now you have to go perform, and you're feeling kind of... Forget it. Yeah. I've had a vulnerability hangover all week because there's so much, they're seeing so much of you. Yeah. I know that sounds crazy for someone yeah, yeah, who wanted to share themselves. Right. But when you have to do it that much for a week, I flew home and I, I was just going over everything I said. And I, I uncovered that core negative belief, which is I'm a bad boy. Like, yeah. and then I listened to you for 10 minutes and I go, I've, you know, not to change the subject, but I've had mystical experiences where I've been lost in that undulating fountain of yes and love where the thought of, of Pete even existing as a separate entity was the funniest joke in the world Yeah, where I was just like, and yet I can still be on an airplane going like, you know, I said that to that person. Did they, was that okay? Yeah. And forget in, in cancel culture, it's, it's really interesting in my, and I'd love to talk to you oh, about yeah, this. Oh yeah, that must be hard. How, well, I, in my experience, it's like culture is caught up to how I was raised. It's like, we'll create a hell for you. We'll, we'll judge you and right. we'll send you to hell right, right. and we'll cut you off Isn't and it? you're disgusting. Yeah. All those revel, I'll spit you out of my mouth. That's what we we're doing it to ourselves. Right. And I'm like, what took you so long? I mean, like that was what I was doing when I was 11. That's right. But what, what that, that, that's a great place to go is. Well, can I just ask, please. Are, are, are you an extrovert or an introvert? I mean, cause <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't buy just the fact that you perform. That yeah. means you're an extrovert. I mean, I some think, of the best actors in the world are introverts. Yeah. During the lockdown, I think I learned that I'm an introvert. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can get up and speak in front of 10,000 people and, an I, and I, you know, I, it doesn't, uh, but put me at a cocktail party. Forget it. I can't do it. It's no. torture. You'd be a good comedian. Yeah. We just find each other and talk about how much we hate it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but I think that's, I don't know where to put that in the, in the mix, you know, yeah. because in terms of your own depletion, you know, mm. and that. And yet, you get oh, energy man. on the stage. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And uh, but then you need your solitude. So much of it. Yeah. I I went to see Ramdas, and it was one of the happiest weeks of my life. And I was alone for most of it. I do well in a, a hermitage, I think. Yeah. I, I I would like that. Yeah. 
Um, but at the same time, it depends. Now that I have Alan Leela, it's a little yeah. less true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to see them. Yeah. But can I... Um, can we talk a little bit about forgiveness and cancel culture? Just because I'll, I'll give you an example. Yeah. I went to a party recently and there was someone who has been canceled. I didn't know they were going to be there. I, I have to say that. Isn't that funny? I have to be like, this was not my doing. It was yeah. literally like yeah. um, a surprise. Yeah. And I was in a strange situation where I was like, my spiritual belief, and it's how I acted at the party. I didn't blow them off. I because they were a person and I yeah, sat right. with them and talked to them. And we actually, I actually ended up talking about falling upward and, and how it's sometimes being broken and humiliated right, is, right. is where God is hiding for us. Yeah. And I also saw a little bit from them, some of that wisdom, yeah. not a, not a spiritual person talking about what they had learned and what they had gained from being sledgehammered, yeah. whether or not that was, I, you know, in this case, who knows? I, I can't, that's right. not my point. No, I understand. I know the internet wants me to take a side. I'm not even saying who it is. Yeah. Somebody I don't even know very well, but like... You were there. I was there. And when it was a person, it was easy to talk with them and it was okay. And I felt okay about it and Val felt okay about it. But I would love to hear a little bit... Don't let me put words in your mouth, but I, I have to think you love people that have done things that are extreme, more extreme... Yeah. Than what I'm talking about. I mean, on the, whatever you want to say, right. the scale of crime. Right. But what do we do? What do you make of what's happening right now? You know, it, it's funny. I, I'm not a big forgiveness person because I feel like, <laughs> you know, and, and I feel embarrassed because I'm about to have a book come out that kind of, it's really a compilation of a lot of quotes and stuff from my other books. And But it comes from a, a thing, I, a little talk thought for the day it was a bumper sticker and it says forgive everyone everything and so that's now the title of this little book forgive everyone everything forgive everyone everything i love it and yet you know i feel like we we settle you know forgiveness requires that all parties are in agreement you know which is not how god operates you know so we we settle for forgiveness when we should hold out for mercy. So mercy is something different. For me, mercy is is a larger thing than forgiveness. Mm. Forgiveness waits for an apology. Mercy doesn't wait for anybody. Doesn't wait for anything. It was already given. It's already it's there. It's <laughs> like I don't need you canceled person to say anything to me. That mercy is. Uh, oh God! Do you know wow. what I mean? Yeah. It, it's the green <laughs> it's, light. For, it's 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 because it, then you you love being loving rather than measuring stuff out, and mm -hmm. then so. But we want to measure. We want to. We want to. We want to cancel. And we want to cancel. We want to cancel. We want to cancel and, and put our scapegoat. evil into. That's right. Afghanistan or Iraq or or, or into right. whatever it may be. Yeah. And then we can continue to deny that that is in us. Yeah, but but forgiveness waits for somebody to do something, mm. and there's no waiting in mercy. There's just no waiting, and again, it's it's hard to do when you've been when somebody has hurt you. Mm. You know, Kay, would you make a note of that time? That that's great. Some we make these little clips. It's a very transparent show. I'm like, that seems like a great clip for to promote the show. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, mercy. Yeah, for I feel like I, I need to have like a paper bag. To have 
Yeah, liquid death. The only uh, water that you have to put in a bag if you want to drink it on your stoop. That's right. That's right. I was very moved by that. You know, it's interesting. It's what I was trying to do at the fest when I, I, I wrote out, I said, find the lowest person and love them, which is a funny thing to do. Obviously, it's what you're doing. But when you're doing it at a comedy festival, this is going to sound like a joke, but in my world, it's find the person that didn't have that great of a set yeah. and talk to them or or the the stagehand that is clearly overworked and shuttling people to the airport or whatever it may and be. And then people are... are how do you make that person feel less invisible? It's a great, I think it's a simple answer and I, I'd love to know yours, but it's like eye contact yeah. names. That's right. It's learn, f- learn names. Yeah. It's okay. So I want to put this to you. It's hard to do. I mean, it's again, it, again, it's intentional. Yeah. But it's hard to do. But there's a power in saying somebody's name. I, I'll tell you this story and I'd love to hear your take on it. I was on set and I, when I was shooting this last TV show I did, I was listening to a lot of very out there stuff, a lot of uh, Vedanta and a lot of Ram Dass and a lot of like, it's all an illusion and it's very groovy, but it's a dream. And isn't it far out that we're having this dream and all this yeah. stuff? It's great. I like that. That's one of the ways I can go. But I need people like Mirabai and I need people like Valerie that will bring it to the earth and bring it to my body. Yeah. Because I was making the mistake. I was on, I've told this story before, forgive me, but I was on set and I didn't know the director's last name. And I actually thought that was kind of cool because she's the most important person <laughs> on the set. And I was like, you know, I don't even know your last name. And, and she was like, it's on the script. Like she kind of seemed offended or not offended, but like she was sort of took note of it. Yeah. And I was like, again, I was being very righteous and I, and I pointed out everybody's name that I knew. All these people on set i was like look this, this is t- blah, blah, blah. I, I'm, like being a piece of shit now that i think about yeah. it <laughs> i didn't do it in a cocky way right I, i'm too worried about what people think to actually be an asshole but yeah. i was kind of like trying to be like i'm not an asshole look i know all these people's names right and i come home and i'm like it doesn't matter like things like names doesn't matter it's just about being present and being love. And, and, and then Val said what she often says to me. She's like, sure, it sounds like you had a Ramdas moment. And I love Ramdas, and Ramdas knew people's names and stuff. But like, I had a very off the ground moment. And she was like, but Richard would have been like, forgive me, I forgot your last name. Oh, of course, Thomas. Yes. What a beautiful name. <laughs> Is it Scandinavian? <laughs> Oh, bless you. Yeah, no, I do an okay, Rich. (laughs) And when I did it for him, he was like, stop it. That breathy voice. And he he put his hand up to slap me. It was one of the highlights of my career. But I, I, do you relate to what I'm saying? The different altitudes, like there is ultimate truth of like, this is just god's dream or or whatever you want to say or you could say it's not real or it's all fleeting or it's a passing show or what do you want and then there is like hello father greg yeah isn't it just nice to say your name and and to look at you like yeah like you ever it sounds like you don't struggle with it based on everything you've done in your life but spirituality is an excuse to like leave earth (laughs) no no i i don't i don't believe in the leaving the earth part yeah you know but it's it's all about you know you know tenderness is kind of the highest form of spiritual maturity. So you want to 
you know, tenderness is a decision. Mm. You know, it's not it's not like a thing that you decide on once and for all. But it's how are you tender with people? And so the homies will say, you know, we're used to being watched. We're not used to being seen. And because, you know, they've oh, wow. been in prison. Wow. And so if you can create a place that's safe, then then you people can be seen. Mm. And then you can cherish them. And that's kind of the full Monty. You know, you get to the place where you're where you're cherishing people. But Would you but you have to, you know, give some attention to it. I mean it's all it's all about being attentive. Mm. And paying attention is the hardest thing for human beings. For me it is. You know, because you're getting ahead of yourself. You're lamenting what you did yesterday. You're anxious about what's going to happen tomorrow. And yet, here you and I are on talking on this couch. And you, you, you don't want to be any other, any other place hmm. but this moment. But that's the hardest thing for human beings, I think. And yet, it can feel like a, a still lake. You know, it feels so nice. Yeah. And yet we're we're all rivers going right, around. Right. Like, and it feels really nice to, that's why I was looking forward to this. Once, I've been a river all there, week. Once yeah. you're there, you're like, why don't I go? It's like when you don't want to meditate or, or, or pray. And then once you're in the middle of it, you're, not that it's always a good feeling, but sometimes it is. Right. And you right. go like, why was I afraid of this? Right. Because your brain will never think it's a good idea to get rid of itself. Right. <laughs> because you got too much to worry about. That's right. Yeah, and I really think that's a and do, yes, I I think that's a thing with the news too. Is is I see the, I'll say perverse pleasure we take in talking about shootings and stuff. I mean like gory details, yeah. and we share them with each other, and I almost see like a superstitious belief that's that of course all of us have in worrying about this. I'm actually doing something, like my worry and my. Is a contribution. Disgust is a contribution. Yeah, yeah. It's super. It's it. I, I, again, I say you've just caught up to where I was when I was thirteen. Yeah. If I think all the t- all about what a piece of shit I am, God is pleased. And now you're like, yeah. if I think about these horrors all the time, I'm carrying. Yeah, no, that's a my good insight, Piece actually. of the yeah. grief. Right. I'm like, I I don't think that's actually good, right? Right. I mean, have you had any? And feel free, to, because sometimes giving language to these things ruins them. But forgive me for asking, have you had any mystical experiences worth sharing or that you would share? Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, in my life, I've had these moments where, where you know, you know. And Ignatius talks about the gift of tears. And so I've had that many times when all of a sudden I'm just overwhelmed and flooded with you know, a sense of, mm. I remember in, in Detroit, I was making what we call the long retreat, which is 30 day silence, silent retreat. Mm. And I just had these overwhelming moments of, of sobbing, you know? Mm. And so, but I, it's not mystical in any kind of seeing something, more about knowing. Yes. And it's not about kind of being, taken to some other place it's always pretty rooted and right here and now that's similar to to father richard when he's like talks about being a little boy looking at his christmas tree and the whole experience is that he just saw it that's right it's like we're saying like if you could see this couch that's right (laughs) or when you see people when you know that you're 
you know, as kind of anchored in the present moment with somebody. Mm. It's yeah. mystical. But I think mystical is is kind of where we want to be, you know, obviously. And, it, and it's kind of uh, a way of seeing. And, and once you see it, you know, you do fire all the other gods. Once you see it, you kind of go, you know, I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. But it's not kind of uh, good or bad or moral. It's really about seeing in the most expansive way is a joyous, a joyous place to be. Hmm. And then even in terms of kind of being authentic, you know, staying close to the marrow of the gospel as much as you want to do that is really, you know, where joy and fearlessness kinds of is sort of the mark mm. as opposed to being terrified and sad. Joy and fearlessness. Yeah, I think. Yeah. And then when you feel joyful and and fearless, then you kind of go, you you know that you're you're kind of being that faithful. Yeah. As opposed to frightened and 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 just pervasively sad. Yeah. You know, my death anxiety, I don't suffer from a lot of death anxiety, but this past week at the comedy festival, my dreams and just my, you know, those small moments in the morning <laughs> before you put yourself on. Yeah. Like, I'm just like, oh my God, I, I'm going to die. Like, And what's that do for you? I think it's a, 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 again, I'll say perverse sort of, I think I like it. I think it's a trip that I... That I'm like I'm real. I'm here. I am worrying. But it's kind of helpful. I mean, it's kind mm. of like, you know, memento mori. Well, yeah, I'm going to be dead longer than I'm alive. <laughs> and then you were talking about humiliation in the canceled person. You know mm. that I kind of find humiliation is my compass. You know, it it kind of brings you to this. It's a cold glass of water being thrown into your face, and you kind of go. Oh, okay. Oh, that's not bad. That was humiliating. Yes. But you know, that's not bad. You, well, you know, I like it. I it kind of because it. Then you go. You know, I'm going to be dead a lot longer than I am alive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or, or or Dalai Lama always says, you know, when they ask him about his own death, he says, "Change of clothing," which wow. I love. Yeah. And then once you kind of go, yeah, change of clothing, then. I mean, I'm because this young woman this morning was my 256th young person killed because of gang violence. And it's not a trick so much as it is you have to put death in its place with a quickness. Otherwise, it, it becomes so dark, you know. <laughs> Otherwise, you have to just, you have to kind of say, yeah, you know, if, if death is the worst thing that's ever going to happen to us, you're going to be toppled by life itself, you know. So then you have to, I've had to kind of do that. If the worst thing that can happen is something that's guaranteed to happen, you're going to have a hard go. Exactly. It's <laughs> you know? very interesting. But, it, you know, I don't know who said none of us will live forever, but, but all of us can live in the forever. And so... Live in the forever. Live in the forever. And so that, there's your choice. I'm going to live in the forever today, you know. Would you say there's something eternal in you and I? Yeah. I I would too. I was loading you up. Yeah, no, 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 certainly, (laughs) certainly. There's a spring. It's so funny. 
What do you mean a spring? A spring. There's there's a self-generating source. Oh yeah, like a source of that that's like water spring. Like a water spring. Yeah, yeah. That a when well. when you set a well <clears throat> or a, a fire or whatever you want to think of it as. So in in my uh, experience that that experience I was alluding to earlier, what it was a psychedelic experience, but I, I think it was very sacred. And I felt like when we die, we go in, we don't go out. If that made that was the big takeaway. Yeah, is I was like, where you go when you die is actually where you already are and have always been, and it's actually the only place to go. So it actually took this this fear of crossing a chasm or the right, river right. sticks or like yeah. you're going somewhere, you're going off into the cosmos. It's like, you're actually going the only place that there is. You're going home, home. is a nice way yeah. to put it. I like home. I like home too. Yeah. But it, it really was experience. It was like a swooshing below me. And uh, there was like a upness to it, but I was like, Oh, I was there the whole time, which is a very common right, mystical right, right. knowing. I was there the oh, whole time. Yeah. It's exactly where it's kind of where you began. It's where you began. But yeah. then you in talk about if you'd like spirituality being about like unlearning, <laughs> you know, like meaning we come as children and I think again Richard talks about one of the reasons we're so fascinated with babies is cuz they're still connected. Often, I know they cry, and I had a baby recently, but like they can be so close to that home that yeah. we just want to hold them. I know they're adorable, yeah. but hold them and kiss them. I want to yeah. be where they are, sort of thing. But then there's the, the sameness of it. All of us are born wanting the same things, you know, and and you know, we we're human beings, and so we all share the same last name, you know, beings. And so how do we, because that, that happens a lot, you know, where people feel like choices. People will say, uh, how do we help these kids make better choices? And I go, wow, not all choices are created equal. And it's really not about choices. Choices is, you know, uh, it's a kind of a projection that people say, you know, where the, especially about the population that I work with and walk with is you know how do you get them to know the difference between right and wrong well it has nothing to do with right and wrong they they were born into the world wanting the same thing you wanted mm. and terrible things happen to them i don't know how else to say it you know and and so it's not about choices it's about i don't know chances mm. and it's about somehow finding our commonality as human beings that that you know and we have to let go of it it's it's uh, unlearning things but it's jettisoning things you know mm. you just toss these things off the boat you know yes. and i'm 68 years old and i'm i'm st i'm still doing it you know you know where you go yeah you know i don't good and bad you know there there is no such thing as good people and bad people and and once you let go of that you kind of go you know, God doesn't see good people or bad people. God sees God's people, mm. you know, and there's a kind of a sameness, you yeah. know, and it's not about measuring. God, I think, is always saying, what's all the measuring about? What is that? God is terrible at math or God can't add and subtract. Yeah. 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 Which is just a funny way of saying. Right. 
it's already done. Yeah. It's already done. Yeah. It's, I, I don't want to get derail us into a, a, a d- discussion of free will, but sometimes I take comfort in the fact, and human beings don't tend to like this. I'm like, I don't know, man. I, I think I'm a part of a thing, a whole thing. And even me saying this right now, you could trip out and get paranoid, but I'm just kind of like, I'm a result of all of it. <laughs> you know, does that make sense? Yeah. Meaning it's not so much that I don't have free will. It's more that I am responding to the whole. I'm not subject to object. This whole, I love the word undulating, but the whole thing is undulating in the same way that a wave kind of thinks it's a wave, but I'm really a relationship, if that makes sense. And it's less about whether or not I do the right thing or the wrong thing, or I was perfect or I was not perfect or whatever that means. But I'm a, I'm a part of the of the whole, if that makes sense. Yeah, it. Yeah, I think so. And I, I think how do we, uh, you know, ha- have have greater, you know, a greater, larger, wider kind of way to receive people, mm. you know, rather than, you know, our presumption that God is wanting us to, to kind of be better at it, <laughs> you know. When it's, I mean, I don't know why this, you know, like when you talked earlier about lapping God, (laughs) but it's what you will do with Leela and what what any parent does with a kid is, you know, unconditional love doesn't even get close to it. Yeah. You know, there's a no matter whatness to your love. Yeah. That, that, you know, it's like you don't want anything from your kid. You only want for your kid, yeah, and and how much more so God, yes, you know, and that's I don't know why that's so hard for people, you know, to understand. I think the parent, I think it's one of the reasons why Jesus was always using Abba and Father imagery. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when I actually have a joke, we call them bits. I have a bit about it. Um, it hasn't really been working. I think it's hilarious, but I go, I, I made my daughter dinner. And I gave it to her. She was watching TV and I put it down and she just started eating it. She didn't say thank you. And it occurred to me, I I didn't care. <laughs> I, I don't have to tell you that. I didn't care. But it occurred to me, maybe I should say, say thank you. And then I was like, you know what, man? I yanked her into existence. <laughs> like it's my doing. Obviously that's not exactly right. But I was like, I brought her here. Like the joking way would be like, it's my fault that she's here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. So she doesn't owe me shit. Right. <laughs> like, and then I try and kind of turn on my parents. It's like your father worked hard to send you to college. It's like, yeah, that's what he should do. It's it's very similar to Sidney Poitier, his speech about uh, your parents don't you don't know your parents anything. <laughs> and but there's but what I'm experiencing as a parent is like a genuine like you don't owe me shit. Full stop. Like you don't have to do you don't have to say thank you, Daddy, for yeah. dinner. I'm like, I got to cook you dinner this is incredible but why why it can be so hard to make the jump that god feels that way about us right that we're in debt richard has another beautiful sorry to keep quoting richard but whenever we talk about these things he's in my mind and he says like all of our little efforts to please god uh i hope i'm getting this right but he says they're sort of adorable they're like when our kid makes a drawing and it's it's supposed to be a cat and it's really bad but we love it and we put it on the fridge. He's like, right. that's like us. It's, right. it's not that we did it perfectly. It's not, it's just that you are. Yeah. It's done. 
It's like it's like what you're saying about mercy. It's done. Right. And it's like what I experienced in my experience. I was like, it's all done. Yeah. We're both already where is it? we're alive and we're dead. It's all at the yeah. same time almost. It, yeah. it doesn't even make any sense. And it's knowing that you're at home. It, yeah. There, you've been there all along. You were there the whole time. That's right. And you were there and you were there. It's like yeah. Dorothy at the end of The Wizard yeah. of Oz. Yeah. Yeah. Truly, truly great. I'm feeling deeply satisfied by this conversation. I hope you yeah, enjoy. Likewise. Okay, good. We've been doing this for like nine hours. Oh my God. Yeah. It's been a while. You, has anyone ever told you you sound like Jim Gaffigan? I was listening to you on a podcast and I was like, this sounds like Jim Gaffigan. I love Jim, Jim Gaffigan. Isn't he great? Yeah. A Catholic. Yeah. Um, well, I have other things to ask, but I really feel, <laughs> I feel great. I feel like we did it. I feel it. badly. You've been... Oh, it's sitting here for a typical episode is two hours. Is it really? Yeah, two. Sometimes I think our record is almost four hours. And then you cut stuff out? No, no. That's my own little message (laughs) that everything belongs. Yeah, it all stays in. It all stays in. Let me. Here's a question I really did want to ask, and I know you were at a funeral this morning, and and then we'll have a couple quick questions, and we'll get out of here. No problem. But what do you say? at a funeral that's not aimed towards improving the community. Cause I, on the, your 60 minute piece, there actually was you speaking at a funeral um, and talk using it as a, as a great opportunity to talk about how are we going to stop this? And that's in those days I, I did that a lot. Okay. Yeah. I just like, sometimes I, for all of my spiritual study and stuff, if a tragedy happens, a young man or a young woman is beaten to death or shot or whatever it may be, I'm I'm sometimes talk about it, humbling. I'm humbled by the fact that I'm like, I really, all I do is listen to Richard and Merton and all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And yet, if a crazy tragedy happens, sometimes I'm left to be like, I really don't know what to say. Uh, you're uniquely uniquely qualified. Uh, what a sad thing and also what a beautiful thing you've had so many of them what do you offer to grieving people they're grieving people listening they're grieving people they'll always be grieving people what is something that you offer uh in terms of comfort or perspective or well you know i can't we can't help quote richard but part of it is like holding the grief holding the pain until it transforms you and so that's kind of the, even if you don't say that that's kind of where you want people to be mm. you know you, but you also want people to connect to memories you know like the finger pointing to the moon is not the moon it just points to the moon and so in what ways did this person touch you in such a way that you it pointed to the moon it mm. it it revealed the kind of god that we actually have not the God we've settled for, but the God we actually have. And then you can kind of reconnect, uh, especially if you have stories about people, mm-hmm. you know, even though it's so tragic. But in the old days, I remember it was always cautionary tale. It was, uh, you know, lefty who died would want you to put your guns away, that kind of thing. I remember I did that saying? a lot. Yeah, That's, would, I yeah. did that a lot. But I don't do that so much anymore because, you know, it's people want to make sense of death, you know, and and how do you 
How do you really communicate that death has no power? How do you not allow it to take hold of you? Mm. you know? And you also kind of dispel nonsense about you know, why did God do this, you know? And How do you do that? Well, I mean, I, God didn't have anything to do with it, you know? Mm. And, and I'm a big believer in God protects me from nothing and sustains me in everything. A homie yeah, the other yeah, day. Yeah, what do we, you couldn't unpack that enough for me, honestly. Yeah. Go ahead. But I mean, like in terms of prayer, because I don't really, I don't believe that prayer works, but I believe that praying does. I love that. Yeah, only in as much as it's it's sustaining me. Like, it, it's funny when I, I was in, um, in uh, Albuquerque, Santa Fe, actually had dinner with um, Mirabai and this homie, Fabian, and a woman named Laura who works at Homeboy. And he's an artist, and uh, I don't know, we were talking about prayer before we actually had dinner with her. And I said, well, Fabian, what do you do? And he goes, I just sit there, silent, and I say, hold me. Wow. And I loved it. And he's a gang member, former uh, addict. Um, hold me. Hold me. What a good mantra. Yeah, and I use it as a mantra. And, I, mm. and ever since then, I kind of just hold me. Hold me. That's like Abba. That's like Daddy. Yeah, because it's it's not about you know help me pass the algebra test. Right. You know, it's there's not a thing I can do, and there's not a thing you can do. Mm. But you can hold me. And so then it's sustenance, you know? Yeah. And you kind of do that at funerals. You kind of say, let's hold each other. Let's walk each other home. Yeah. Let's live in the forever because we're all going to die. Yeah. But let's live in the forever. Don't look away from it. Let's right. look at it. Right, right. And you know. But it's funny that I asked you for hope or 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 because that's what we want from funerals i yeah. want you to tell me that well and also grief okay. you, you said grief yeah you know and how do you make sense of it and how do you hold it long enough so that it transforms you yes to use it but death not being the worst thing that can happen yeah it, it, nobody and, and the is, worst thing that can happen is not knowing the god of love and and finding your true self and loving. So I, I think I always try to do that in a homily about a homie who's gone too early. Mm. You, before he left us, he came to know the, his true self and loving. And then you can always find examples mm. of when he did that, and he was that, mm. and he inhabited that with some fullness. So you can always tell those stories, because they're all there. They're always there. Yeah. And then you go, oh, then the fate worse than death is not knowing that. And he knew it. He felt it. He had it. Yeah. He showed it to you. Right. And then all of a sudden you're 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 connecting to a larger love that's that 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 says to death, death like as a homie said to me once, who's dead. But he said, Death is a punk. Death is a punk. And homies understand that because they go, punk is sort of, is uh, like more bark than bite. Yeah. Ah, he's a punk. He yeah. talks that way, but he's a punk. Wow. And homies know exactly what that means. And if you say death is a punk, oh, okay. And it's in its place. Suddenly you've put it in its place. Right. Right. Oh, Which wow. is like scripture. You know, you say death wears your sting. Sting. And 
Yeah. Or or they said of Jesus, uh, death couldn't hold him. Right. And Ramdas has that thing where he talks in, you know, it was the 60s or early 70s, and he's like, oh, you're hung up on death. Here, I'll show you. Like, you can kill me. Yeah. Like he, it, it, he humbled himself to death right, and death right. on a cross. That's right. You know, it's like that idea that he's like, to me, he... I grew up believing that Jesus was something to be worshipped again, and and to be. I'm not saying I don't love Christ. I'm just saying now I see it as much more urgent, and it's like you do this too, like you you yeah. do this as well. Yeah, like I'm modeling a human life, uh, and that's what you're saying. Yeah, it's like some degree of transformation, some degree of realizing that death is a punk. Yeah, some degree of not buying into the myth that you know we're all supposed to be billionaires on rocking chairs smoking cigars i mean you know is that it yeah heated toilet seats yeah <laughs> it's interesting yeah but how are we surprised by death it's still it's kind of astounding to me it's the most inevitable thing it's the only thing it's that the only, will only thing. that will happen to absolutely everybody and yet we're we're utterly i'm going to do gobsmacked it. when yeah Oh my God, he died? Well, yeah. I'm going to run a joke, another bit by you. Yeah, please. I yell at the crowd. I go, you're afraid to die? You're afraid to die? I go, Shirley Temple died. You're more of a candy ass than Shirley (laughs) Temple? You laugh. I'd like to take you on the road and watch how that joke does not work. I go, my Nana died. She didn't even speak English, which I think is so funny. But to me, that's me calling it out, going like, everyone does it. You should actually take comfort in the fact that everyone does it. Cavemen died alone in a desert, just like dehydrated. You can't do that. It's every single thing that's ever been like you has done it. Yeah. There's so there's like a comfort in the lineage, in the yeah. rite of passage. Right. In, in the, the sameness of it. Chinese spirituality, it, death and love are the great gifts that most people leave unopened. Yeah. And Ramdas is all about that. And I believe that the people that were present at his passing, I think he you know, I don't mean to idolize him. I'm just saying I think yeah. he did it. I think he was not afraid to die. In fact, yeah. that was one of my favorite Ram Dass stories. I was with him in Maui and Dasima, who was taking care of him, was like, he almost died a week ago. We were so scared. And here's frail little Ram Dass. Looks like a skeleton in a Hawaiian shirt, basically. Yeah. And he tugs on her and he goes, not me, not me. Yeah. And he knew I needed to hear that. You know yeah. what I mean? He knew we all needed to hear that. Yeah, yeah. But I believed him. Yeah. That's, you know, that's good stuff. Yeah, exactly. Because exactly. <laughs> he didn't buy it. Yeah. He didn't buy it. Taking off a tight shoe. That's what he always said. Yeah. <laughs> but that's also wholeness and holiness. But yeah, we, we we reject a huge part of the whole system. Yeah. This obsession with longevity, let's upload our consciousnesses to computers, death will be obsolete, Ray Kurzweil, you know, make it to twenty fifty four and, and you'll never die, basically. I don't know if you've heard any of no, that. No, I haven't, no. He's the guy that think, that believes if we make it to 2054, the singularity will happen, which I believe is AI. I don't, I'm not an expert. It's like AI and the merging of technology and biology, nanobots cleaning your arteries. Oh, I'm not interested, but yeah. 
Yeah, I wanted to. Uh... Somebody called me twice. Sorry. <laughs> Nobody. My phone's always on do not disturb, but they call twice. They know yeah. it'll ring. So I thought maybe it was. Yeah, Forgive something, me. Sure. Anyway, I'm having a. I'm really enjoying this conversation. Clockwise. Um, clockwise. The homies always say that. Clockwise. Yeah. <laughs> clockwise. Yeah, and you said likewise. Conservate. That was one that you put in an email to me. We'll sit down and conservate. Oh, oh no. Uh, oh. Conversate. Conversate. Yeah, that we say. And we were there. We were converse. You know, we were conversating. I love it. Yeah. Authenticious. Yeah. No. That's not it. Authenticious? That's a real word. See, real words... Authenticious? No. No, it's not. Authenticious is not a real word. Yeah. All right. That's the right one, then. Have you... These are the questions I ask everybody. It's more interesting to ask you. Have you ever almost died? (laughs) Well, I've had leukemia. Oh, did you? I went through chemo and... Okay. And I wouldn't trade that time for for anything. Tell me what you mean. Well, just because, uh, you know, I would get homies would leave me voicemail messages. Now it's our turn to take care of you. Very, very sweet. A big, huge homie named Grumpy came in and said, uh, "What?" big tears in his eyes. He says, what do I have that you need? Meaning organs, you know. Oh, my it was God. Just, it was just nonstop. Uh, I remember a homie came in, a little guy. And I was going through chemo at that point. I'd come to the office and he got the news kind of late. And he was just, they were so stricken by it, you know. Mm. And uh, he says, I hear you have leukemia. I said, yeah, I do. And there's a kind of an awkward silence. And he says, my cat had leukemia. <laughs> and I said, oh, yeah, she died. And I said, well, God, awfully glad you stopped by. <laughs> That's, that's really ready to go. Lifted me up. It's a there. good bit. It's a solid bit. But uh, so, and then the homies would drive me to uh, chemo and pick me up, which was clearly more harrowing than actual receiving chemotherapy was having the homies drive me. Oh, really? Be- oh my God, horrible drivers. And, uh, <laughs> and of course, I'm a horrible passenger. I am too. Yeah, horrible. Because yeah. if I'm not driving, it's uh, it can't happen. So yeah. Um, I knew because I told Christy, I said, I'll send a car. Oh, I was so uh, moved that you were doing it. And she was like, he likes p- driving himself. And I was like, I decline every car I'm off oh, yeah. as well. I've never, yeah. except sometimes they insist. Yeah, so, that's happened to yeah. me too. They want to make sure you get there. Yeah, which it seems crazy, but oh well. But you can control what you listen to. You can, control, like, yeah, you can drive. I, I even thought about you. And <clears> I was like, I don't know why something you said made me think of the opportunity driving is, oh, to be, we say on the show, you say something similar, to be the universe winking. We keep waiting for the universe to wink at us, but you forget what an opportunity you have to be the universe winking yeah. at anybody that that some, you know, you would call them an idiot that just made the absolute goofiest yeah. left blocking. And you can stop. You can be the one that stops and goes, you know, I think I've done something like that myself. Yeah, you know, there's yeah. something really beautiful. Yeah, yeah. In that. So, what's the state of your leukemia now? I'm in. Um, so let me say, I hear your cancer's in intermission. You know, and oh I would say, God. yeah. Apparently, it stepped out to the lobby to buy popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> May the great. line be long. You know. But isn't it? I mean, this is another round. But it's, thing. it's also kind of one of those things where you, you know, Maybe. every year I've almost had to have something radiation or whatever but all during the pandemic 
it was for the first time ever I didn't need to get anything. Wow. Yeah. But I so I'm okay. It, but you must run into what I started to say was Ramdas believes that the church, the modern church now, the doctors or the priests, like we worship life oh, yeah. huh. and and we'll lie and the doctor will come in and tell the patient how good they're doing and go in the hall and be like, they won't last the night. <laughs> like there's no honesty. And he made a, not a living. I, he wasn't being paid, but he would, he would be the one that would go in and say, I understand you're dying or, or you know, like that yeah. would want to name it. Yeah. Talk about the thorn yeah. again to get under it yeah. and just be like, no, I'm not going to deny this. Like yeah. how many of us die in a moment of denial? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. That's not opening the present. So this is a, a blunt question, but how do you feel about your death now? Like I was having all that death anxiety. How are you doing with the thought of it, the the inevitable thing? You know, I um, I really have to pee. Oh yeah, so it's not my death. It's <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a pee break, and we'll we'll do that. But do you still do it? Not really. Wow, because you're good. Oh, thank you. I am. Um, I mean, it's funny and clever, but it's also just. And then I look, I go, oh my god. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. No, I love the New Yorker. I, I always. Wow, they have four cartoons in the New Yorker. That's huge. See, that's how you know I'm a three. Is that I figured out the exact number I could do that would be impressive, and then I stopped. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, there's no difference in impressiveness between four maybe like 44, but like four and seven, it's all about the same. So I got in and I, it was too much effort, but I'm glad you liked it. These are, these are mine too, that cat and that, you know, it's great. And Batman hugging the Joker. I like that one. That's, that's mercy. (laughs) You should keep doing it. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, we're we're just coming back. We both had a bathroom break, and there's a God, that was intense. There's a <laughs> urgent. You mean? Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Honestly. Yeah. Thank you. We we've we've. Uh, this has been great. This has been so enjoyable. Yeah, for me too. Yeah. And and we're we were just saying, death. You yeah, were death. About my death. As we just had such a one of the great joys of life is yeah. a good pee. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me. Yeah, I, I'm not afraid of death, and I and I, I ask myself sometimes, is that true? Yeah, he's in frame. Yeah, yeah. and I just. Uh, what do you mean? I okay. Oh yeah, you're good. Just because you moved, I was checking. Yeah. Okay. Um, is it true that you're not afraid of death? Yeah. Or I, are you in denial? No, I think I, yeah. I I'm truly not. Oh, I wasn't asking you, but that's yeah. what you ask yourself. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I. Uh, but you do ask yourself. You kind of say. Is that really true? And yeah. I think it is. I just I've I've been around death a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. So I've had to put it in its place, and so I have had to do that for myself personally as well, you know. Mm. And then having cancer, and you know, and then at least initially thinking, yeah, this probably will end in death sooner than not, mm. and it didn't, mm. you know. And then you're also aware, you know, we were talking about earlier about how doctors, you know, they, they make so many, the, the advances are kind of extraordinary and every month there's a new thing, you yeah. know, a new treatment. What, let's try this, mm. you know. Mm. So, uh, yeah, but I don't think I am. I'll ask you what I asked Richard. Uh, he had a beautiful answer and I, you'll, you'll know what it is, but I was like, 
What do you think the chances are? Because I was thinking about death and I was like, when we die, and again, even having been in that oneness and all that wonderfulness, I'm like, what do you think the chances are that it's something odd or confusing or strange or overwhelming? Like, you know, the Buddhists train for the bardos, right. for the idea that they're going to travel through something and they're going to have to keep their center while a giant ear <laughs> flies through the sky or whatever right, it is. Right. Or like a fire made out of cotton candy and, yeah. and there's their mother in it or something and they just kind of have to float around and not be attached and then they get to go into yeah. the void or whatever. Yeah. And if I'm being honest, that reminds me, those types of thoughts remind me of my fundamental sphere of hell, that it's that God is somehow not to be trusted, that he's going to want to send me into a fun house filled with mirrors and, yeah. you know, <laughs> Skittles coming out of my nose or whatever it is. Um, and Richard was, was just like the saints always trust that, that they're, that, that God is trustworthy. God is worthy yeah. of their trust. Yeah. And I'm wondering if, do you have, do you have any remnants of that feeling? Like, what if it's something weird, or what if it's something frightening, or, or yeah. strange, or yeah. you know? I guess it's based on my psychedelic thing. Like, I, I'm I'm less interested in psychedelics than I used to be, uh, and one of the reasons is, I mean, my life has changed. But I'm also like, I don't want to smoke something and be uh, a frog. <laughs> For its entire lifespan, right. <laughs> then come back and be like, oh, "I was a fucking frog." Like that doesn't right. sound fun for me. Right. But then I'm like, the, the after or the afterlife or what happens at the moment of death could be just as strange. Or can I rest in that just hold me place? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely makes sense. But I don't also I don't think about it too much, you know, because I I'm not afraid of it. It feels like rest. I trust God. Hmm. I, I don't I don't uh I don't really I don't believe in hell hmm. you know or like the mystics would say okay there's a hell but it's I think it's empty you know <laughs> I forgot that yeah, one I love and, that one and and so I believe that kind of thing so I don't really you know what are the chances that this trustworthy god is going to pull a fast one you know right zero you know, there's zero chance of that. Yeah. So, so then, you know, everything becomes more spacious and more wide and more inclusive. And which is so frustrating, you know, kind of in a church that isn't inclusive and yeah. doesn't really reflect the spacious God we actually have. Mm -hmm. So that's hard always, you know. But, you know, I think it's, it's trustworthy. That's you it. Know, you know, the God that we actually have. And Ramdas talks about that. We either have our personal experience, this is in Be Here Now, or we can trust uh, those that came before us, you know, your Christs and your Buddhas. Like, there's, I would like to have the conversion experience myself, or when in doubt, you can trust those right. that had right, it that's and right. brought the message right. back. That's right. Yeah, if we weren't lucky enough to yeah. get knocked off our donkey. That's right. I know there's no reference to the donkey. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. The The final, final question for today is, um, can you, and I bet you have a good answer. Can you think of a time you laughed from your belly? That, that's how I'll ask you. Laugh but a time you stomach. laughed really hard, yeah, from your stomach. 
Uh, just if there's a memory where you're crying with laughter, what were you doing? How oh, old God. were you? What happened? I don't know. I have so many of them, and I've written so many of them. And isn't that funny that when you when you're asked to recall one, I I can't. I actually I can't would do, do very badly with this yeah, question. Yeah, yeah. How about but the one? but for me, it's yeah. it's a constant thing at at Homeboy and where where people because being able to laugh from the stomach is also there's a freedom where you don't have to worry about what people will think or speaking of New Yorker cartoons. Yeah, there was like. It's a cartoon where it's two aristocrats on a picnic blanket, like in the 1700s. And they're going like, I'm all for joy and ecstasy, but those ridiculous faces or something like <laughs> something about how gauche it is to make the faces and the sounds. And I was like, yeah, the Victorian period was really against laughing so hard you fart. For That's example. right. Exactly. But I mean, like, isn't that what we also really want is That's to laugh we, so hard we you long fart? for. Yeah. Yeah, and my answer is always the time I made Val laugh so hard she farted, and it it, uh-huh. it made us die <laughs> even more. To, yes, to be that safe. Yeah, and isn't that <clears throat> holding and it belonging and being yeah. safe and yeah. all of that? So, but you know, you take it for granted. You think it's just about funny people making other people laugh. Yeah, but it's really about safety, mm. where people feel safe and and uh and the comfort it's about home if we're all walking each other home then there's no greater reminder of home than laughing from the stomach you mm. know and and that's you want to kind of create a place that's safe enough where people can experience that you know yeah because who was val when she was laughing so hard she lost control of her body yeah. she wasn't really there i mean yeah. she was or she was the most there than she yeah she was out of body experience yeah. i love that well so much love to you people can donate to homeboy industries a 25 million dollar a year <laughs> endeavor if the it's, number hasn't changed it's 40 million 40 million okay yeah. inflation <laughs> times yeah. are changing yeah and i love that you said that even though Obama gave you that award that the government's donation has been negligible or something. Yeah, it hasn't been too much. It's not too much. So I'm only mentioning that to say, um, let, let's donate Let's and let's do recurring donations to yeah, Homeboy Industries. Yes. And check out your wonderful books. And I, I, I'm just so grateful for this time. Yeah, me too. Thanks. Of course. It's so silly, but we have the guest say the catchphrase, which is keep it crispy. Keep it crispy. <laughs> Without hesitation. <laughs> I guess another way to say it is don't be a punk. Did, did, did Richard keep it crispy. say keep it crispy? He said it twice. <laughs> keep it crispy, huh? <laughs> you got to keep Seriously, it crispy. Seriously, the best. Oh, why do you not include it in your act? Who knows who Richard is? I yeah. mean, I do. Yeah. I, it's a, a lot of my best I know enough to go, wow, if people. I had my eyes closed. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Father G. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs>